Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Let's get it on. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for Thursday game day. The rematch tonight between the Jets and the Edmonton Oilers in Edmonton. This time as the Jets start a quick back-to-back out west and the Oilers come home for the first time since an extended road trip that ended with a 5-2 loss here in the peg on Tuesday night. We've got a great show coming up. Uh, Brandon Rewicki, uh, our good friend, the host of the Skates and Plates podcast, is going to jump on. We'll kick around a number of the top Jets and NHL topics with uh, with Rue and then check in on the Manitoba Moose, who are back home, about to start a homestand tonight at Canada Life Centre. The voice of the Manitoba Moose, the Fink himself. Daniel Fink joins us after Rewiki, and then more on the Jets-Oilers rematch tonight with handsome Tommy Gazzola in Edmonton, who will join us a little later on. Um, big welcome to everyone that's joining us a little earlier than we normally broadcast on YouTube. Appreciate everyone joining us. And uh, if you're popping in at one o'clock and wondering why the show's already posted, um, we had to work things work around something this afternoon. So we're uh, we started off a little earlier. Um, hopefully a few new people are joining us. And if you uh, are normally a podcast listener, you haven't been able to check out the YouTube program. Great to have you with us. Do us a favor. Hit the thumbs up and Hit the uh, hit the red subscribe button and join us on a daily basis. Normally, ninety nine times out of a hundred, live at one p.m. on YouTube. But today, a little earlier. So, welcome to everybody, and welcome to all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen, including Vita Health, Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Not AutoCorp, Royal Sports, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey and our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. Of course, we do have an NFL Thursday nighter tonight, Pats and Falcons. We'll uh, maybe spend some time on that towards the end of the program, but it's all about the pucks today and lots of excitement heading into this rematch tonight. Let's get Michael Remus into the program. Well, uh, well, I welcome everyone into uh, the YouTube chat. What's going on, everybody? Yes, iHeartGaming. A little early today in a couple good mornings. Uh, that's, uh, I know we, uh, don't normally do it this early, but th- as I said, had to do it today. Appreciate everyone accommodating the schedule and joining us live here on YouTube uh, a couple hours earlier than we normally do it. Michael Remus. Good morning. What's up? Yeah. Good morning. I got my, uh, my coffee here. I got my mug, uh, a bit, a bit of a different, uh, you know, shorter morning for us setting this up, but, uh, it's good. I'm happy. We're re- We're ready to go. I see a lot of excitement about. Round two, it feels like we're in the Canadian division again. I think people are fired up to see the Jets and the Oilers, to see Connor McDavid. I tweeted out that um, the picture yesterday, the one that's in the thumbnail of this video on YouTube, <laughs> about uh, I, my caption was, when you finally have to play against Pionk again Thursday, and tons of reactions. So, you know, I, th- I was saying to you off air, like, you know, Thursday night game or against like San Jose, like it was last week, maybe doesn't generate the interest that, you know, back to backs against the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid get. So I think a lot of people are fired up to see if the Jets can uh, win two in a row here against the team Hus that was number one in ESPN's power rankings. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, I mean, hey, it's not just a big Thursday night game in Canada. The Jets get another crack at the number one team in ESPN's power ranking. Yeah. 
maybe they can chip away at the huge distance they have to get to the top teams in the league. Um, many of you will be aware of this already, but yesterday, sort of after we finished our program, uh, ESPN, I believe it's Kristen Shilton, who of course was with TSN all those years, dropped the NHL power rankings from 1 to 32. And, you know, with the way the Jets had played, playing themselves into first place, beating the Edmonton Oilers on Tuesday, I think everyone was looking to see just how high the Jets could be. They were 12th in the last power poll a week ago. They went 3-0. and They beat the team that's at number one. How close could they get? Well, they dropped eight spots. <laughs> the Jets are 20th in this power poll. Now, again, this is a fun conversation, and power polls basically are made to create discussion and get people talking. And needless to say, this one absolutely did. R.I.P. the mentions of Chris. And I almost feel bad because I don't think Greg Wyshynski was involved in the power poll. Certainly wouldn't be the guy that had final say on it. But I did do my tweet going, exactly how does this happen? And tag Kristen and Wish. And uh, needless to say, my mentions have been blowing up <laughs> since I posted that. So I can't imagine what theirs are because I certainly wasn't the only one that posted out. It is somewhat strange, Remus. And, it, it, you know, I was on TSN 1260 this morning with Dusty and Eric um, and having some fun talking about the series and the game. And I did sort of mention this. And, you know, we've talked about the Jets being an overlooked team for a long time, certainly from a betting perspective, which has always been to the benefit of us. I mean, sometimes, you know, you like to, hey, uh, over here, check out the team. But in some ways, at least if you're betting, it's actually been a great thing because we always seem to get a better number on the Jets than they probably should get because of where they're at. That being said, Reem, uh, I think Winnipeg Jet fans were absolutely bent about this because um, this team has played their way into first place in the Central Division. And yet, when you look at the power rankings, they're fifth in the Central and 20th in the National Hockey League. And I think just about anyone that's been paying attention to the Winnipeg Jets over the past week, over the past month, really since the first week of the season, would say they are not in the bottom tier of the National Hockey League. Uh, in fact, probably on the other end of a challenge at the top teams, as we saw them take out the team that's number one on this list, the Edmonton Oilers, in pretty convincing fashion Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, these power polls are made-up rankings, but, I mean, ESPN is a pretty, you know, pretty well-respected uh, website. They're the rights holder of the NHL. And for and I, I like Kristen. We had her on the on the old station. But for her to put the Jets at number 20 <laughs> when they're one, here, I'll, I'll bring up the, if you want to go by, like, points percentage, you can go, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, oh, six in the league in points percentage. And they just beat, like, this is the day after they beat Edmonton, and they're moving down the ESPN's power pull, so... I mean, I, I don't know what to say. It doesn't make any sense. We've watched them play, and we've just talked about how the Jets are quietly putting this 9-3-3 record together, 21 points, leading the division. And they, to be honest, they haven't even played, like, I mean, their last game was was their best game, but they haven't played up to the potential that we thought that they could heading into the season. But, I mean, they can't argue with first, first in the central division here. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think I would say, I mean, through 15 games, I think that they have played up to the potential. I mean, hey, they're in first place right now. They're They've at... lost three games in regulation all season, and two of them were the first two games of the year. I mean, I, you know, Murat had a great piece yesterday after he joined us, and I suggest people go check it out, um, you know, talking about the things that the Winnipeg Jets are doing better this year. 
And we'll get into this with Rewiki in a few minutes. Um, you know, they are certainly defending better. They are far better at getting the puck out of their own zone. They're still deadly on the rush. They're still spending a good amount of time in the opponent's zone. I mean, the one thing that I think, and Murat touches on this and spoke with Paul Maurice about it, the one thing where they could be better and I think would like to improve is creating chances off the cycle. And really, the times that the Winnipeg Jets have had the most difficulty, at least just you know, fresh in our minds over the course of this homestand, was two games in particular. It was the New York Islander game when Barry Trotz's crew scored in the first five minutes of the game and then just squeezed the Winnipeg Jets. Had no problem having them in the zone, but just didn't let them get off the wall. And it was the same thing for the most part of that Los Angeles game on last on last Saturday night. Now, of course, Dylan DeMello was the hero, scoring that short-handed goal, getting into overtime. Mark Scheifele won it. The Jets were able to mine two points out of a game that they really had some tough times offensively. But overall, Reem, um, you know, that is something that I'm sure they can, you know, look at. But when you look at the other things that they're doing well this year, um, and we haven't even talked about the guy between the pipes who always gives you a chance to win. Um, you know, I think this is the team that a lot of people were hoping to see. And of course, the biggest part of that, and I'm looking forward to hearing what Rowicki's got to say about Pierre-Luc Dubois' performance so far this year, is the fact that this is not just a one-center team when it comes to scoring. I mean, Dubois has been so good. I think arguably he has been the number one center, especially considering the time that Mark Scheifele has missed so far, despite scoring the last couple of games. So um, I think a lot of the things that Kevin Chevalier envisioned that his team would be capable of when he made the offseason acquisitions, particularly of the guys in the blue line, were sort of coming to fruition right now. Um, and we saw a great example of that on Tuesday night. And uh, I can't wait to see this game tonight, the rematch, because, you know, and I can take it from me, I was just on TSN 1260 at Edmonton with Dusty and Eric, as I mentioned, been listening to quite a bit of the show. I mean, Neil Pionk might be rent-free in the in Connor McDavid, Ted. The Winnipeg Jets, I think, right now are rent-free in much of the Edmonton Oilers fan base after Tuesday night, of course, coming off the very brief appearance by Edmonton in the playoffs last year, thanks to a four-game sweep to the Jets. Yeah, I know it's different teams, but I think a lot of the core pieces are the same. And for them to lose five in a row now to the Jets, even though each of those four games last year were the slimmest of margins, and the Oilers did dominate the Jets in the regular season, but I don't know if they've figured out how to stop Edmonton or Connor Hellbuck has just been playing absolutely out of his mind. But I agree. I think there, you definitely saw the frustration from Edmonton. And when you have these grade-A chances like Pugliarvi did or a dry settle before he was able to score against Connor Hellbuck, and he's, you know, kicking out the leg and all, all that stuff, um, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty demoralizing trying to score over and over. Like, what do we got to do? And I think that's what it was in the playoffs. And, I mean, that's what it was. But, again, the Oilers have, so their best guy is McDavid. And the Jets, I think it's clear the Jets' best guy is, is Hellbuck. And, uh, I mean, we're going to see that tonight. And, of course, staying out of the box is going to be key. And we'll see, I mean, how the refs decide to officiate the game, sadly, is going to have an impact because, the oil, you know, the Oilers' power play so deadly and the Jets' penalty kill, as I just read in the ESPN power rankings, uh, not, <laughs> not, not as good. And just one more thing with the power rankings. I mean, we joke here about how Winnipeg gets no respect from, as you said, the odds makers. I mean, what are they, like 30 to 1 to win the Cup right now, or 35 to 1? 34 yesterday yeah. on the program. And, um, you know, even before the year. And, you know, we talk about how when, you know, someone does an illegal hit against a Jets player and it doesn't get noticed, and if someone does the same hit against a Toronto player, um, they'll get, you know, the Department of Players saving. It's just, it's just 
as another proving the point again that you know the Jets could literally be first in the standings. And on some webs on ESPN, the national broadcaster in the U.S., their website puts a power poll together. And even Chris Childers, she's in Canada. The day still, after they beat the number one team yeah. on the list, finishing up a now, perfect week after being 12th the week before. Now, I'd like to think that she, like, submitted that before, like, the day before. But um, still, it's, I, like, it's not a good – I don't think it – I don't know. We're all here. Like, I mean, it's just power ranks. It really doesn't mean anything. But like, if you're trying to say like, okay, the Jets, are you saying the Jets are the 20th best team in the league right now? Well, how do you, how do you start at 12, go three and oh, and go down? Yeah. <laughs> just like, let's just start there. <laughs> they think they went oh, and three. Maybe there was a typo and they were uh, accumulating yeah. the information and the data from last week. It was reversed. If they had gone oh, and three last week, Maybe I could see them dropping from 11 to 20. However, going 3-0 and and beating the number one team on the list um, would be... It, well, in fact, now that I think about it, let's just see. They beat, what, San Jose, L.A., and Edmonton last week. Yeah. So Edmonton's number one on the list. Uh, the San Jose... The Kings are number 12. The Kings took the Jets spot yeah. at 12. And the San Jose Sharks are 16. So they went 3-0 and against teams that were all ahead of them in this week's power poll, including the number one team and I ended up it. last. Yeah. It got, it, the one thing that I love to see, though, and this is part of the reason why I tweeted it out, I mean, these sort of things are there to get discussion and they're fun conversations. But I'll tell you what, I mean, a lot of the chatter we hear on social media just generally is negative. And I think a lot of people that are sort of positive have sort of just kind of stayed away or backed off a little bit because of maybe some of the blowback they get from some of the louder, more angry people online. But this is the sort of thing that in some ways does galvanize a fan base. And I went and checked out the comments on my tweet, but more importantly, the tweet that came out originally. And there were dozens, if not a few hundred tweets back from Jet fans that, I mean, it got them a little riled up. And I'll tell you what, that's not a bad thing right now to have some people, I think, rallying around the hockey team right now when it's playing well. It's been a tough time. I don't think people have felt very close together over the course of the last couple months or a couple of years. And I'll tell you what, if some, if an egregious oversight by the national broadcaster in the United States can sort of amp up a fan base that should be amped up right now with the way their hockey team's playing, I'll tell you what, I'm here for it and I have no issue pouring a little gas on the fire here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah, speaking of gas on the fire, I mean, we're talking about McDavid versus Pionk. You did bring up something that um, <laughs> on TSN 1260, and I'm just like, oh, oh crap. Um, I mean, what if Neil Pionk has, he's playing so well, plays himself onto Team USA, and has to, they see how he's playing this year and be like, we need him to go up against... Connor McDavid in the worried. Olympics. I'm worried. It could blow up. It could totally blow yeah. up our Canadian Olympic dreams. It, Neil Pionk and the American Blue Line completely it, neutralizing Connor McDavid in Beijing. And there, and there it goes. I mean, the goaltending issue number one for Team Canada, mm. the potential of Neil Pionk being on the U.S. Blue Line to me is now, if that's, you want a power poll? It's that's number two on Canadian worries right now for Beijing. The neutralizer himself, the Pionky Tonk man, getting ready to take on Connor McDavid. Um, you, you know, I, we are having a little bit of fun of this, and a lot of it does go back to the rent free tweet, which I do remember you putting out at the beginning of this week, Reem, saying, Oh, I figured this might be a good time to boost this tweet. 
And in some ways, it's sort of become a self-fulfilling prophecy because Pionk was such a big part of that playoff series. And lo and behold, what happened at the end of Tuesday's game? Oilers pressing and McDavid taking a bad penalty going into the box for two minutes. And I mean, really, in a lot of ways, sort of ending their opportunity to get back in the hockey game. And um, I'd be lying if I didn't hear. I mean, there was a number of rent-free references in Edmonton this morning on the station with the guys, not made by me, made by people texting in and even people on the show right now. So it is a thing. It is a thing going into Thursday night and uh, another great opportunity for Pionk in particular and the Jets blue line to show that um, even with the success they had against this team last year in the playoffs, they're a much, much better back end. And it's going to be that much harder to score at the Winnipeg Jets on five on five as the Oilers were able to get a grand total of zero Tuesday night. Yeah, but and I think that, again, that's the key for the game. Keep it at five on five. When I mean, we saw what the power play looked like from the Oilers, I mean, they can move the puck. Um, you know, they got the two the two guys, you know, McDavid moves around, dry sidles, ripping shots on the right side, you know, swap in Barry for, for Nurse, you know, Hyman. I mean, this is a really strong, uh, strong power play. So, you know, being out of the box is definitely going to be uh, key. And I think the Jets have shown they know how to get under McDavid's skin. And, you know, I like watching him. He's he's the best player in the league, although dry has more points, uh, more points right now. But when he's going up the, against the Jets, I mean, you are a bit nervous that he could, you know, score at basically any time. But uh, I think, oh, I mean, I think they seem to have figured figured it out, and hopefully they can keep it going here tonight. Someone asked about um, the Jets' lines. They are, they are going. Justin Fine no. asked if I'm a bigger troll than Ryan. That's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. Come on. Yeah, come on. That's. that's I might big... have to fire. I might have to fire another bozo blast with a comment like that, Justin. Come on. And, yeah, and Ryan was the was the recipient of the first one yesterday on the program. Yeah. So <laughs> I forget what I was saying, but uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to tonight's game. Yeah, I, 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 was good. I had a I had a good point I was going to make, but I lost my reading the chat and talking is not a good <laughs> recipe here. <laughs> Focus, focus, Remus. Yeah. I know we're starting a little earlier than normal, but uh, we need the game face on. It's like a, it's like a matinee game. You know, a lot of those yeah. times, those games oh. are duds. This show not going to be a dud. This isn't going to be a Sunday afternoon, two p.m. After much of the visiting team went out till three in the morning, and yeah. we are ready to. And I'll tell you what, the the uh, the multiple blow dryers back at the Ruwiki HQ are working overtime, but I do believe he's just about ready to come on. So we will get sure. to that up. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. I, I just I, I was gonna say someone asked about the Jets lines. Um, they're skating out at twelve thirty our time, eleven thirty in Edmonton. I'm assuming it's gonna be the same <laughs> unless like someone shoots a puck and like knocks out someone's teeth in practice, and then that person has to leave, which did happen earlier this week with Dominic Toninato. So <laughs> you never know. But I'm assuming it's gonna be the same for the Jets. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those guys don't even take the morning skate. We've seen that quite a bit over the course of this season. But um, yeah, Wheeler, Connor, Dubois, um, Svechnikov, or sorry, excuse me, Shifley, Ehlers, and Kopp, Svech, Harkins, and Lowry, and then a fourth line of Riley Nash, um, Dominic Toninato, of course, and Christian Veselainen. Uh, that is the way that it will work. I mean, I'm still waiting to see... I mean, the only one thing that really does look sort of out of place right now is Riley Nash on one of those power play units. But um, 
again, if that's the biggest issue that we've got right now, it was like bitching about the backup goalie before the season even started. Good problems to have right now for the Winnipeg Jets. All right, Ruiki's coming up next. I do want to thank our newest sponsor, Vita Health Fresh Market. For their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you've never been to Vita Health, um, what are you waiting for? Well, you certainly had an opportunity, family owned business for 85 years, empowering people to live healthy lives in Manitoba since 1936. Seven locations in Winnipeg, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. And when you get to Vita Health Fresh Market, you will find Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries supplements, vitamins, and beauty products, all at great prices with an amazingly knowledgeable staff trained in these products to help you get what's right for you and your needs. Of course, November's Men's Health Month and Vita, Harry, Vita Health carries products to support prostate, energy, libido, stress management, and more. And if you're into local organic produce, grass-fed meats, and more, or a great grab-and-go deli with Vita Market salads and sandwiches, which are phenomenal. This is the store for you. Pop on down and see them at any of the seven Winnipeg locations, or check them out online at myvita.ca. And while we're um, eating healthy and uh, getting great products and supplements from Vita Health, before you do any of that, you got to start with making sure that you're hydrated. And our friends at Culligan Water have been the water experts and the go-to people for all things H2O for 65 years. Uh, of course, family-owned in Winnipeg over at 1200 Sargent. Culligan Water has it all. Water softeners and filters, whole home systems, drinking water systems, bottled water coolers, and bottle-free coolers, not to mention water delivery services citywide. And Arima's just got a nice delivery of a bunch of jugs. He's set for a few weeks. Um, and they'll do that at your business as well. Commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Let the Culligan man and the experts over at Culligan Water take care of all of your water needs. Give them a call at 204-694-5180. Visit them at 1200 Sergeant or find out more on what Culligan can do for you at drinkculligan.com. And uh, I, oh, I got an email from uh, our pal Donnie over at Manitoba Battery. The guys have been busy. People realize they've been listening to Winnipeg Sports Talk and those, man, I've been putting this off. You know it's getting cold soon. So a uh, big, big rush on automotive batteries right now. They've got the best prices in town, $89.50 uh, with pickup, $15 off with the, uh, $15 off the $109.50 delivery, uh, delivered battery with your uh, return to the core. But for the rest of November, great product, uh, a great promo for some of the people that have done so much for us through the pandemic. Manitoba Battery, if you're a frontline or a healthcare worker and you do need a battery, for the rest of the month of November, Manitoba Battery will thank the frontline and healthcare workers by paying the taxes on any automotive battery for those who help get through the challenges of COVID. And of course, the snow is here as well. It's more than just automotive batteries. They've got batteries for everything. And with the snow here, they've got your sled battery needs covered. Whatever type of sled you have, Manitoba batteries got you covered. Most sled batteries can be found in the $65 to $75 range. Give them a call at 204-783-8787. You can visit them at 1026 Logan Avenue, or you can find out more online at manitobabattery.com. All right, the team of industrial hair dryers are finished and 
our friend Brandon Rewicki, the uh, host of the Skates and Plates podcast, joins us now. Looking like a million U.S. tax-free. It's been a while, my friend. Uh, great to have you back on the show. What's going on? Hey, what's up, brother? Good to talk to you again. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll apologize, too, to any uh, anyone living in the River Heights area. There was a power outage two days ago, um, so I've switched to, to battery-powered hair dryers now. There there won't be another incident like that anytime soon, so we're we're good moving forward, my man. Did you? Was it Sunday night that you had the power outage? Did you get it as well? I know we don't live too far away. Monday or Tuesday. I think it was Monday. Yeah, Man, Sunday. I was saying this on the, the back. You know, I went out in the afternoon on Sunday, popped into a uh, one of my favorite spots, ostensibly to say hi to a couple of people. Ended up having a pretty good afternoon. Got home responsibly. Big day on Monday. Had a fun NFL Sunday. Chiefs Raiders playing tonight. Got home. The lights were out. Everything was out. All right, I guess I'm going right back out to watch the night games. <laughs> Thank God the game was good. Um, but speaking of good games, uh, I know you spoke about this on the latest edition of Skates and Plates coming out of Tuesday's game. Um, I know I, I was so excited about this series, considering what happened in the playoffs, considering what the Oilers have done so far. And uh, I got to tell you, Brandon, that was quite the performance by the Winnipeg Jets, starting with Connor Hellebuck, but right through the lineup. Um, a very deserving two points and a big two points and a hell of a way to finish a very successful homestand. Yeah, you know, it's funny because you had the sweep of the Oilers in the playoffs last year, and this was by far the most dominant performance the Jets have had against Edmonton in, in quite some time. I mean, any way you look at it, five on five, even the special teams. I know Edmonton scored a couple power play goals, but, you know, kind of gift wrapped a, a five on three there. And not much you could do with McDavid and Dreisaitl a lot of five on three for two minutes or six seconds. But all in all, I mean, the Jets were just A plus in every category, weren't they? I mean, they pretty much all game long kept Edmonton away from any dangerous scoring areas. And when Connor Hellebuck is like the 10th most important player on your team on a given night, yeah, the Jets are going to be just fine. And I thought that was maybe the most promising performance, too, that the club has had all season long. Because, look, the blueprint and the formula is there right now. There's no reason they can't play like that basically every night moving forward. And if they do, hey, maybe uh, maybe first place in a division title isn't all that outlandish, even with Colorado's you know resurgence about to come anytime soon. Well, and, and you and let, yeah, before we kind of dive into this rematch tonight, I mean, we're 15 games in, and I think that's a pretty good measure of, you know, what we had hoped to see, what was expected, what Kevin Chevalier was hoping to achieve with the offseason acquisitions. And I mean, as we mentioned off the top of the program, I mean, the first couple of games were a little ugly, and you certainly didn't like the results. But my God, Brandon, I mean, they've had points in 12 of the last 13 games. They pushed themselves into first place. And in so many aspects of the game, um, the Winnipeg Jets seem like a much better, more complete team this year. Um, but let's start with the blue line because, I mean, God knows we spent a lot of oxygen over the course of the summer talking about needs on the blue line. And then, you know, once Schmidt and Dylan were acquired, there was about two months of just really excitement and anticipation, I think, by most members of the fan base. I got to tell you, so far, so good. And not only have those players played so well, but I think they've really added. Neil Pionk was probably our best guy last year, and he's continued to play at a high level. Josh Morrissey looks like an entirely new player this year compared to the struggles that he'd had uh, last year. Start off in the blue line. Just your thoughts on what these players have brought in and how different this unit looks as opposed to the one that struggled quite a bit for the most of last season. 
Yeah, you know, you can make the case the Jets acquired three top four defensemen this past <laughs> offseason with Schmidt, Dylan, and, and Josh Morrissey, right? And, and I don't think it was necessarily all Josh Morrissey's fault that his play had been, I, I guess, below the standards we've expected out of him when he was with Jacob Truba. But the Jets, you know, after the big exodus of talent a few years ago, they basically asked Josh Morrissey to be Victor Hedman. And, and guess what? There's one Victor Hedman, right? Like there's very few people on the planet that can elevate basically anybody beside them into a legitimate top pair or a legitimate top four pair. And, and Josh Morrissey was just asked to do way too much and he needed some help. And he's gotten that in a big way with Nate Schmidt beside him. It's a tough call to say which pair has been the best out of the two, honestly, so far this season. You know, flip a coin if you'd rather have Morrissey, Schmidt, or or Dylan and Pionk. But Nate Schmidt has done a great job of both adding support to Josh Morrissey, but I think infusing a much-needed element to the Jets' blue line. And everybody talked about size, size, physicality, all that. And, and that's great. The Jets needed it. But they also needed a ton of skill on the blue line, too. I think that's the big part that was missing these past couple of seasons because everyone was so fixated on Buff Truba Myers being, you know, 6'5", 250 apiece, basically. But all those guys were really, really good with the puck. And Nate Schmidt has brought that element back to the team's blue line. So he's been as good as anybody could have hoped for. I think Brendan Dillon has been the physical man mountain that everybody had hoped he would be. And then you have Neil Renfrey Pion playing like an all-star right now. Like, it, it's all been gravy so far. It's it's pretty wild that all of Kevin Chevalier's moves have paid off as well. You know, um. And it's funny, I was talking to the guys in Edmonton this morning about this, and they were asking me about Pionk and just the team and how it's different. And I said, you know, two years ago when Buff abruptly left, uh, it, it left, I mean, I'm not sure outside of like a McDavid or someone that you could take one player off a team and have more of an effect on what was missing. And it was a number of things. I mean, the the minutes that he ate up, the offense that he brought to the table, the physical, like the imposition that he brought every single time that he was on the ice. And then there was also the sort of off ice dressing room part where, you know, a group, a leadership group that might've been thought of as a little serious and stiff, um, you know, had a, a compliment, if you will, that, you know, would lighten things up. And it took a while, Brandon, and it took $10 million and two players. Yeah. <laughs> but I really do think that between what Schmidt's brought to the team and what Dylan's brought to the team, a lot of those things that the Jets had been missing from Dustin Bufflin have been replaced. But as we know, there's only one buff and it took two guys to kind of bring those things that were lacking back in. Are you buying what I'm selling? hundred percent. I said that before the season, actually, that and it's just like a scrum with buff too. It takes two. It takes two in <laughs> the scrum, but it takes two to replace what he brings you on the ice and in the dressing room. So yeah, he, I mean, I think we were just Jets fans were so fortunate to have a guy like Dustin Bufflin for so long. And you almost take him for granted at what a unique talent and, and player that he was, because there's, I don't know, it might be another 10, 15 years before we see another guy like Dustin Bufflin in the NHL, let alone here in Winnipeg. So it is funny, but I, I totally agree with you that Schmidt does the, the skill in the off ice aspect. And then Brendan Dillon does provide that much needed, you know, grit, nastiness on the back end. And he's got a decent amount of skill too, right? He's not just, a, you know, a, a big plug back there. He He's not afraid to get up into the rush and, 
boy, oh boy, has he ever been kind of the perfect complement to, to what Neil Pionk brings. Well, I, I, I am with you on that. And as, as impressive as I have, as impressed as I've been with Nate Schmidt and how he's played, and certainly Josh Morrissey or Movechkin, as they like to call him with his new, with his new one-timer uh, that he uh, worked on through the summer. I'm with you. I mean, I, I think Neil Pionk has been criminally underrated league-wide since he came here. He was underrated when he got here. I mean, a lot of people had very low expectations. Oh, this is the guy that they had to take because you know, of the, you know, of the, of the true betrayed and, um, you know, signing him. I mean, already that contract looks great. I mean, you know, 15 games in, but playing with Brandon Dillon and not having to have Neil Pionk really do, I mean, he'll be the catalyst for it all, but to have that sort of support, I think has given him even more confidence. And uh, I mean, it takes us back to the end of last game. I mean, how uncharacteristic of that is a frustrated Connor McDavid doing something like a borderline cheap shot on a player and at a terrible time in a hockey game when because of the power play, they had got right back in it. And uh, there was Neil Pionk thanking him for coming out, reminding him who's the boss as he goes to the penalty box and essentially ended Edmonton's opportunity to, to really press that game into the final couple minutes. Yeah, just just imagine two years ago saying Neil Pionk is going to be shutting down McDavid so much that <laughs> frustration will boil over and he takes it right like it's just it's crazy but and I don't think this is hyperbole either but man I I think Neil Pionk defends McDavid about as well as anybody in the NHL I mean on the rush it's really really difficult to not give up something when McDavid gets going but I think Neil Pionk does as good of a job as anybody as as skating with them and I mean it's pretty evident the frustration isn't going to boil over if McDavid has four points at that point of the third period you know, he and the Oilers were having a lot of difficulty generating chances there. And that's what led to the penalty. And, and you know what? Give Adam Lowry some credit, too, because he did the same thing to Leon Dreisaitl a period earlier. And, and he spent four minutes in the box, right? So it, it's it's pretty wild now that we're, we're five, our, our past five games against the Edmonton Oilers, Winnipeg Jets have maybe done as good of a job as any team in the entire league at slowing down the two most prolific scorers in the sport. The funny thing is, though, I mean, and I was spending some time, you know, yesterday thinking about this and comparing the games, because while I will always pump up and never forget the four-game sweep over Edmonton, considering how my childhood was terrorized <laughs> by the hockey team from that city, and I do think they, they missed the boat not having a uh, commemorative mini broom giveaway at Tuesday's oh, game with nice. the scores of all the games. <laughs> Uh, in reality, when you look back, that was the closest series, the closest four yep. game sweep of all time. I mean, three games were in overtime, the razor thin margin between each one. I didn't have that feeling on Tuesday. Um, and again, the game flipped in, you know, whatever it was, half a minute with the five on three power play and those two goals that, you know, made it an exciting third period with the Oilers pressing. But that game, I, I think, showed more than anything, Brandon, just how much the Winnipeg Jets have improved as a full hockey team from top to bottom because I mean there was never a game the Jets controlled in the four game sweep much like they did it certainly through the first 40 minutes Tuesday night yeah like it's fun trolling Oilers fans over what happened last spring but Carter Hellebuck did have a 950 save percentage like he had a, he had a minor role in keeping Edmonton off the board and if, if you're a, a believer in the analytics the Jets were awful in that regard during the series. Like Edmonton consistently outchanced, outshot, basically out everything them, except Connor Hellebuck was the defining factor. But like I mentioned earlier, I don't know, Hellebuck was maybe the 10th most important Jet the other night, right? Like he was good, but 
Jets didn't really need him to be anything other than solid. And that that goes a long way. And it kind of goes back to my my other point that, you know, if, if Connor Hellebuck is a quote unquote supporting piece for the Winnipeg Jets because of how well they're playing up front and on the blue line this season, the sky's the limit, man. It, it's it's kind of exciting. I know we're not even 20 games in, but it, it is hard not to to look ahead a little bit and think, hey, you know, maybe maybe playoff contender is kind of the four of this team. Maybe it is a little bit higher. Maybe they can get into the top five, top six, top seven in the entire NHL with just how well they've played, especially in these last five or six games. Well, it, I mean, to be honest right now, I mean, I'm just thinking about the West and you think about the way they played against Edmonton. Edmonton's been the best team in the Pacific division. The Jets are in first place right now. We'll see what becomes of the Colorado Avalanche if this team comes by. I mean, I know they've had some injury. They've had some COVID issues. They haven't had a great start, but we, I mean, they're still the Stanley Cup favorite to win. We do expect them to be there. But the bottom line is you to look from the goaltender out with the blue line improvements, the way the forwards are playing, the lines, and we're going to get to PLD in a minute. And then you add in a goaltender like Hellebuck playing at a Vesna level. I mean, why can't the Jets beat anybody? I mean, that I think is what it comes down to. I mean, there's no team right now that the Winnipeg Jets go into thinking that they have no chance to win. Although the one thing there has been, before we get to PLD, I want to ask you about this. Stylistically, I think the Jets are spending, they're better defensively. They're much better at getting the puck out of their own end. They've always been good on the rush, but they have had a difficulty with teams like the Islanders and even the Kings yeah. on Saturday night. You know, they'll get the puck into the zone, but they have been pushed to the edge. And I mean, I said to the guy I was sitting with on Saturday night, I don't think the Jets have had the puck in the King zone outside of three feet from the boards for the last hour of the hockey game. Um, that, and it seems, and Murata, as I mentioned, and check out this latest piece in The Athletic, spoke about that. The one thing that they would like to be able to do more is generate things out of the cycle. But I mean, if that's the only thing that you're really worried about improving, you're probably in a pretty good spot. And all you need to do is look at the standings. And that is where the Jets find themselves right now. Yeah, you know, and, and Murad did have a great article kind of detailing that. And, and that Islanders game was maybe, you know, outside of the first couple games this season, the Islanders ones, the lone stinker they've had in maybe a month, right? Like that, that was the one game where you're like, maybe would have hoped for a little bit more punch and a little bit more impact. But again, yeah, that, that's that's an OK problem to have, right? Well, they got trotzed in that game. I mean, I, I said I was at the game and they scored. What was it? Three, three and a half minutes into the game. And I said to Murray that I'm with, I'm like, dude, you know, any other team in the league that would score early and be like, hey, you know, whatever. There's lots of time left and we'll see what happens. But I did say this is the last team you want to give up an early goal to watch these guys just squeeze them like a yeah. python for the next the 55 minutes. And that's exactly what happened in that game. Yeah, for any footy fans out there, park the bus, Jose Mourinho style. That's what the Islanders love to do. But hey, look, there's two things with the Islanders. One, they're going to do that to a lot of teams, right? Like they're not, I, I don't know if people still respect them as much as they should, but they are one of the best teams in the NHL, the, the premier defensive team in the NHL. So they're going to do that to a lot of teams, make a lot of teams look inept offensively. But the key to when you play a team like that, that really clogs the middle of the ice in their own zone is, is patience. You know, and it, it's it's kind of a one-off there, so it's tough to say, is this a trend? Is is this going to be a continued problem for Winnipeg all season? I, I think they'll figure it out as the year goes along. I, I'm not overly concerned about it, to be honest, especially with, you know, you mentioned PLD and, and some of the other guys that have really stepped up so far this season. 
Um, if I, I honestly wouldn't have said that would be the Jets' biggest problem at any point this year. Um, you know, I would still point to the penalty kill as, you know, issue number one that needs to get fixed and, and needs to get rectified as soon as possible. Um, but they'll they'll figure things out offensively. They, they pretty much always have. So, you know, Islanders game aside, I'm not overly concerned about what they do inside the offensive zone. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get to Dubois. Uh, change the number in the offseason. Spent a lot of time working on a number of things, but mostly just to come in confident, ready to be his best. And that wasn't the case last year. But I will make the argument that as much as everyone from the top of the organization to every fan was hoping that Pierre-Luc Dubois would be a much better player, would contribute more. I don't know if anyone could have imagined just how impactful he's been through 15 games. How impressed have you been? And what's really stood out to you about Dubois' game and how different and how more, much more effective he is really being a driver as, let's like, call it what it is, so far through 15 games, he's been the number one center on the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, yeah, there, there's no doubt. And I guess what stands out the most to me is just the aggressiveness. And that was missing. And maybe it was just a lack of confidence last year. Like, we all know how literally everything went against him since he came over to Winnipeg. But it's funny that it's basically been the exact opposite this season. He's, he's had so many things working in his favor to put him in position to have a big year, right? He's got the contract year coming up, a full off season, working with, you know, line mates that he's more accustomed to and having Kyle Connor, who's developed into a, a superstar beside him right now. It's all, it's all kind of become this perfect storm for, for Dubois to, Take a step, right? He's he's even better now than he was when he was with Columbus and, and giving the Leafs and, and the Bruins a bunch of fits during the postseason. So I, I think just how aggressive he's been has been the biggest change for me. I mean, he's going to the net every single chance he gets. I would love to see his shot map for goals because I can't imagine the average distance is much more than five feet, right? Like that's where he's doing all his damage. And that's where he should be, right? When you're six foot three, six four and and 220 plus, like he should be doing damage in and around the crease. And I think that's been the biggest change so far this season than having Kyle Connor on pace for 50 goals besides you. Yeah, that's not going to hurt either. Well, and you know, it's funny you mentioned that because it sort of seems like it's contagious. I mean, as great as Kyle Connor has been uh, you know, in this season and the way that he's scored goals, look at, I mean, other than the empty netter in the last game, I mean, his last probably three of four have all been, never mind five feet, have all been with like 18 <laughs> inches or literally in it. And, you know, he's added that element to the game too. I think maybe playing with Dubois, knowing how much he's going to the net, that there are going to be rebounds. And man, the chemistry that these two have developed together in a relatively short period of time, uh, whether it's Svechnikov or Wheeler, who I thought had a really strong game on that uh, on that line on Tuesday night. Um you know, I don't know who we want to say is the driver. All I know is that those two are playing so well together that they are an absolute handful. And if that is the case, not to mention being able to go up against Connor McDavid at five on five and keep him off the score sheet, what does that mean for Mark Shifley, Nikolai Ehlers, and Andrew Kopp, a line that, you know, when that other line was made, I was most excited to see because I think that's a different look for Shifley, a great opportunity for Ehlers, and... There was something to be said about kind of mixing up that group, having Wheeler and Shifley playing with Adam Lowry and having a more broad top nine. But I'll tell you what, going up against a team like this tonight where you know you're going to have to score, this top six right now looks about as good as it has been. And a huge part of that is 80 and 81, the way they've been playing together. 
Yeah, and this was something that I was kind of curious, and and we'll see how it plays out moving forward because Shifley's missed a bunch of time. But I would love to see how Mark Shifley's going to respond to this because, and not that Dubois has taken his job or anything like that, but I mean, you're right; he's been the best, the best center, maybe the best forward on this entire team so far this season. And now there's kind of a bit of internal competition for Mark Shifley, right? So I, I'm curious. To Isn't that what everyone wanted to see too? Yeah. I mean, for all the knocks and a lot of people have been critical of Paul Maurice. And I think it's sort of rubbed off. That's why there's been a little bit of negative negativity on Wheeler. It was almost as if like, well, it's those guys team and they're always going that. And I think what everyone was hoping to see is that those guys would get pushed and that you would have not just an assumed group that always gets these opportunities, but some of the other talented players kind of getting a chance to challenge them. And, you know, whether this would have happened the way it has without, you know, those two players coming down with COVID, we'll never know. But the results of it have been probably an unintended consequence, but something that I think everyone would agree has been very good for the hockey team, including Coach Paul Maurice. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the balanced forward lines, like you touched on, you know, as much talent as this team has had in the past couple of seasons, that, that's kind of been a under-the-radar problem, hasn't it? Like, they just don't get a lot of scoring from their bottom six. But now, I mean, you can roll three lines pretty confidently, no matter who you put out there, right? And, and even the fourth line can maybe give you something if you tinker when when Paul Stasny comes back. So, I mean, offensively, I don't know how much more you could have asked for. Uh, out, out of Dubois, out of Connor, Sveshnikov as well. And, you know, even a guy like Nick Ehlers, he hasn't been, you know, below average or anything like that. But we haven't really seen him break out all that much i'd like imagine when shifley and ehlers really well, start to get going like then things become kind of spicy up front well I, you know what i mean uh, you know i think it sort of started with the ot winner on uh, on saturday night against the kings i mean that was you know just such a beautiful play of two guys that have incredible skill shifley's ability to find the open space ehlers to get it to him shifley to finish um, and I think they really built off that going in the last game. And if all of a sudden that pair, regardless of who they're playing with, although I think we got to give a lot of credit to Andrew Kopp. I mean, he's not an afterthought in the top six. He has been. Just I mean, a he's, game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's Mr. Dish, man. He's the assist leader right now playing with those guys. But I mean, if that line comes together and starts clicking, like everyone knows they can and pushing the Dubois, Connor Wheeler line as it's constituted right now. Um, then you get it. And this is the same thing for the power play unit. And I mean, I assume Paul Stassi will take that Riley Nash spot when they come back. But you know, the power play was the most successful last year when the Ehlers unit was starting to get opportunities and was clicking as well. And this goes back to the conversation we had before about those top two lines. You know, competition is good. And, you know, if all these players are pushing each other for opportunities and momentum on the ice, that... Um, that bodes very well for a team going into, um, you know, this next stretch of games. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, a tough one at Edmonton tonight, right? I mean, that's, uh, you, you, you're kind of waiting for the Oilers to break out at some point, right? Like it, it feels as good as the Jets have been that it's only a matter of time. I'll tell you what though, you know, and, and this kind of goes to the, the depth up front. Now, anytime McDavid and Dreisaitl get put together on a line, in my opinion, that's a major win for the Jets. I really don't understand why Dave Tippett keeps going to that well against Winnipeg because it didn't work in the postseason and it didn't work again against the Jets on Tuesday night. And I don't know if it's maybe a bit of a panic move, but I mean, the, the Winnipeg Jets are going to win every other matchup if McDavid and Dreisaitl are on a line together, right? Like you're putting all your eggs into that basket. 
And it just sets up the Jets real nicely with their other three lines to take advantage of still some suspect Oilers depth. So, I mean, if you're talking about what I'm looking for in tonight's game, in my opinion, that's that's a huge positive for the Jets. It's a reason why, and I hate to say this, Pittsburgh was so successful for so many years is because Crosby and Malkin were always on separate lines because you have to take your poison. Yeah, you have to deal with a world-class player for 45 minutes of the night. But if you only have to do it for 25 minutes a night, hey, they might get a couple of points, but they'll probably not get anything else by any of their other forwards. So surprised to see it so quickly in that game on Tuesday night. And yeah, again, if it happens tonight, I might have to put a little... uh, little moolah on the jets to make it six for six <laughs> no doubt brandon ruicki is with us he is the host of the skates and plates podcast you can follow him on twitter at brandon underscore ruicki hey just before we go we focused in a lot on the jets and you know this game on tuesday edmonton has had a great start to the season i mean outside of the game and this head-to-head matchup uh what have you thought about the oilers and the way they look this season after their great start despite a couple uninspiring losses in the past couple of weeks to buffalo and detroit yeah, the I good mean, teams. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Detroit's kind of a wagon right now, so maybe we shouldn't shouldn't throw too much shade at Detroit. But yeah, I in my opinion, they're the fastest team in the NHL. And it's not just Connor. I mean, McDavid plays a part in that, obviously, but they play really, really fast. And I think even despite some poor results, I don't want to say they're the class of the West, but they're gonna be among the four contenders by the time the playoffs come around. The Battle of Alberta might be, you know, if we're treated to that. Might be an all-time series between those two teams. But I, I kind of like what the Oilers have done so far. And the emergence of Evan Bouchard has been, I think, one of the key reasons why they've taken this big leap so far. I, I mean, he's played. <laughs> Keith and CeCe were brought in to kind of stabilize the Oilers' blue line. But it's been the young guy, Evan Bouchard, who stepped up the most so far. Um, you know, he had a bit of a rough one against the Jets on Tuesday as did basically the entire team. But yeah, I I think the Oilers are going to be just fine the rest of the year. And yeah, not going to be surprised whatsoever if uh, we're talking about Edmonton Calgary at some point in round two of the playoffs. Well, it's funny you say that. And I don't think it's at all out of the realm of possibility that we could be talking about three Western Canadian teams in the final four in the West. I mean, I think the Jets have shown that they're certainly in the mix to be a battling in the central division and man, a, a final for the uh, of the Pacific for the Battle of Alberta would be incredible. I you know I you can notice I'm omitting one team. That would be the Vancouver Canucks. Wow. Right. <laughs> D- dude, I mean d- just thoughts quickly on Vancouver who lost again last night. They had the fire Benning uh, chance going on. Um I mean I didn't think that they were going to be very good, but uh, I-, I did not imagine it falling up completely apart more than earlier than 20 games into the season. Oh, no, it's okay. Uh, Jim Benny met with the owner, so they, they figured out what's what's wrong there. So uh, Insider report, Darren Drigger coming on. The Canucks are preaching patience, and then they lose a game. Let's let's see the next report uh, of going in. Well, of course, the Jets have been a team that have gotten a lot of coaches fired in, in the past. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so uh, I, <laughs> second end, you lose to the Jets on the second end of back-to-backs tomorrow after this Edmonton game tonight. Maybe it'll be an interesting uh, interesting one. But I, I kind of thought that, you know, even that short-term, they be better this year i like garland coming in i mean i know oel the contract long term is probably going to be ugly but you think that he came in they got rid of so much of that dead weight um they're not seeing any results on that and in fact it seems like it's going the other way and you want to talk about negativity that market right now is just a cesspool of anger around that hockey club uh and i don't know whether it's the coach it certainly is the general manager and some of the players but 
Um, and it's tough to get out of when you're in, you know, in the swamp like that. Yeah, I my, my favorite thing is the the hot dog meme when Jim Benning had the meeting with the owner. We're all trying to find the guy who's responsible for this, right? Like, why does the team suck? Why does the coach? Maybe it's the guy that put it all together. And I mean, the simple fact of why they struggled so far is their blue line sucks. It's it's maybe the worst blue line in the NHL, and that's even with the guy like Quinn Hughes there, right? And and Edwin Larson actually hasn't played all that bad, but. There's a couple contract anchors on the blue line still, even though they moved on from the contract anchors that were up front for so many. Well, they got rid of Nate Schmidt and his six million bucks and turned that into four years at two and a half for Pullman and then uh, another two or three for Travis Hamanick. That was uh, one of the more head-scratching moves of the offseason. Hey, hey, good for Pullman for getting the bag, but I I just, I, I don't know what you were expecting out of him. When, when Vancouver signed them, I mean, it's it's pretty clear. Like, it's been over eight years, I think, right? Like, that's, that's a long time. And and the worst thing that happened to the Canucks, honestly, the, the outlook and the trajectory for the franchise was their, and I think it's fair to say, fluky playoff run in the bubble. That was the worst thing that could have happened because they beat a, I don't know, wounded slash uninterested Blues team. They got dominated by the Golden Knights, but were able to take it to seven games because Thatcher Demko stood on his head. And, and so everybody got these insane expectations that, hey, we're, we were one game away right from there. the finals, right? Like the, the next step is here. But I think a, a more pragmatic look at the situation would have been the, I, I guess, the, the, the smarter move. And they've kind of mortgaged the future a decent amount to be a team that at their best is bubble team. Like that's their ceiling right now. Never mind contender. Their ceiling is maybe we can sneak in. So yeah, I, you know, outside, I was talking with my brother about this outside of the coyotes. I think the Canucks might have the most hopeless fan base right now in the NHL, because I don't know how it gets better. If Jim Benny meets with ownership and they say, you know what, we need a little bit more time on this one. We need, we need a bit of a longer sample size to figure out what's wrong with this organization. Yeah, I don't even know if banging out the GM right now, 15 games is going to change anything <laughs> short term. Hey, Darb, you're, Darb, you're popping in with the super chat. Darb, you're probably our most generous regular. Thanks so much, dude. Great to have you with us, even at this earlier time. Uh, he says, weekly dime drop time. Can I use five bucks of it for a couple pounds of Brandon's hair? Down a few over here. Um, listen, uh, you're looking good, sounding great. Let people know about Skates and Plates uh, when you're dropping the next episode and uh, where people can find it. Yeah, uh, it'll be tomorrow, actually. So break down tonight's Oilers-Jets game. Hopefully another W. And yeah, I mean, you can find it on on any podcast service. I think people get people understand how it works. You now. figure out how that Don't works, people. Twitter. Yeah, you'll, you'll figure it out. It's out there. It's not too Sir, difficult. Skates and plates and hit him up on Twitter. Give him a follow. He'll pump that out there. Uh, Rue, let's do this again soon. Thanks for your time as always. Thanks for having me, man. Have a good one. <laughs> right on. There's Brandon Rewicki. Skates and plates. New content for you tomorrow morning after tonight's game against the Edmonton Oilers. We're going to check in with the voice of the moose, Dan Fink, in just a minute. Uh, do you want to thank Not Auto Corp for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk? If you're thinking about a vehicle now that winter's here, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Go down and see them at Waverly and McGillivray along with the new Winnipeg Car Lab or find out more on all the services they offer at not.ca and make sure to follow Winnipeg Car Lab on all the socials as well 
for all the incredible stuff they're doing in the lab. Uh, of course, our friends at Little Brown Jug, ready for the weekend. Um, pop by some time and check out the tap room on William Avenue. Just a great spot to meet friends or gather with a group. They've got a new link right now on the events page. If you're looking for a great spot to host a holiday gathering, Little Brown Jug there for you. The new winter variety pack is in all the beer stores, including the limited edition double, which we got a chance to try a couple weeks ago at the uh, at the tap room. Phenomenal stuff. And uh, of course, littlebrownjug.ca is the spot. Delivery citywide available and all the incredible spots. By the way, fifth anniversary coming up. We're going to do something special with Little Brown Jug heading into that. And, you know, we were talking a little Olympics earlier. Uh, next Wednesday, I believe, the official drop of the Team Canada Olympic jerseys. And when it comes to Canada gear, Royal Sports is the place to be. Uh, we'll hook up with the Royal guys, uh, have those to debut for you on Wednesday. And speaking of Team Canada, I know everyone's so excited about our soccer team after the big win against Mexico. I uh, was looking at the Royal Insta yesterday at Royal Sports Pembina. A bunch of Canada soccer gear going fast right now. So if you do want to pick some of that up, uh, it's the hottest item in town. It's all there, 750 Pembina Highway. Jets, Bombers gear, hockey superstore, snowboarding, everything you need right now is there in one stop over at Royal Sports. All right, let's uh, get to a little moose talk right now and welcome in the voice of the Manitoba moose, Daniel Fink, who's joining us live from Canada Life Centre as uh, we've got a little morning skate action going on. What is up, Fink? How are you? Hey, Huss, good to see you. It's, uh, you know, I've, I've got kind of a standard set for the backdrop, so I thought I'd kind of take it to a whole new level here today. This is awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, we tried this out with the Illegal Curve guys in Grand Rapids last week. This is a little safer. I've got some netting behind me there. It was a little wide open, so I had to keep checking over my shoulder, but I'm pretty confident. But uh, yeah, I got the Milwaukee Admirals on the ice here behind me right now. Moose's already done their morning skate and getting ready for a good game here tonight between these two teams at Canada Life Centre. Uh, you know, before we get to tonight's tilt and the upcoming homestand, uh, give us uh, a little synopsis of a pretty extended road trip that just finished up. Yeah, I was realizing this morning that uh, the last time we played here was October 31st. So it's it's been a while, not as long as the previous break. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a bit. So hey, we, out for six games through the Central Division, which was pretty cool. We haven't uh, been down there for a couple of years now. So to, to get to see some of uh, the friendly faces down there and uh, some of our friends with the other organizations, because we do get along off the ice. Um, it is it was a, it was a lot of fun and to, to see how some of the, the crowds are coming back down there and things like that. It, it was pretty cool so uh to get through there for six games the team pretty successful points in four of the six games could have had a couple of more points along the way as well very very competitive really did outplay their opposition on a consistent basis so when you look at this team a record of seven five one and oh on the season really could be a little bit better goals have dried up they've run into some hot goaltending at times but uh, there's a lot of exciting things going on with this team and uh, we saw them put up 60 shots on goal uh, last week against these very same Milwaukee Admirals saw them get by the Grand Rapids Griffins six to two in the final mm -hmm. game of that six game road swing so when you have a team that can kind of push through some of the adversity and the grueling nature of a long road trip like that you know there's some good things going on so it was a good trip and now after posting a three and one record on their last homestand they'll look to do something similar here uh, with their five game stint coming up
Yeah, it's a, a busy, busy weekend for the Moose and Milwaukee. Uh, tonight, tomorrow, and then Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. with the, the Admirals in town. Then a couple games next weekend with the Texas Stars. Still a bit of a college schedule, which often happens in the AHL in the first couple months of the season, focusing on weekdays or weekends, which, of course, is great for people and families that want to come out and see the games. Now, we've spoken a lot on this program about David Gustafson so far this season, and Ken Weeb is driving the Gus bus. However, <laughs> I am taking admissions, and I've got shotgun seat with Weber on it. Um, but to use the bus analogy, it seems like Gustafson is driving the bus for the Manitoba Moose right now. Tell us about uh, his start to the season and just how good he's been in all aspects of the game, Finker. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to David Gustafson at the AHL level, he's a pretty special player just because of the way that, uh, you know, he can match up physically against other teams and what he does in the face-off circle on a consistent basis, how he plays up and down the ice. I mean, we keep forgetting how young this guy is. He looks like he's in his 30s the way he's built. But, uh, yeah, he's still a young kid. And, uh, you know what, for him to have so much responsibility with the AHL club, really the last two seasons is so valuable. You get into all those situations. He plays power play. He plays penalty kill. He plays five five on five. He's out there in the last minute. He does everything for the Manitoba Moose. Not to say he doesn't have some pretty good help riding along with him, but uh, when you see all the stuff that he does, it's it's hard not to be excited about uh, what the future holds for, for David Gustafson, but for the Moose, he was their MVP last year and he's having another great start to the year. Yeah, I think he's certainly showing that he's ready for the call when it comes. And uh, when that call comes, uh, I think it might be a one-way ticket down the hall to the Winnipeg Jet dressing room because of what he's done at the American Hockey League level and what I think many of us agree that he'll be able to bring to the Jet lineup. Um, Billy Hanel has had a great season so far. He's just about at a point a game. Billy said on Billy's season, but I also want to ask you about Johnny Kovacevic, who you know, maybe doesn't get mentioned along with uh, Hanela and Sandberg as much as the, the next guy. But man, anyone paying attention to this team over the last couple of years realizes that he is turning into a, a pretty significant prospect in his own right game by game. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that Johnny Kovacevic was drafted really just 30 spots or so after Dylan Sandberg in that same draft. Yeah, he was an older player at the time, but I mean, that's kind of the pedigree that he's coming from. That's what the Winnipeg Jets saw in him when they when they drafted him. So it's been fun to watch him develop, and he really took off last season. Of course, talking about Kovacevic right now, I'll get to the, the other guys in a second, but uh, for him, he really took off last season, built throughout that campaign, and by the end of the season, was an absolutely dominant defender for the Moose, and it was unfortunate that his season got cut short by just a few games due to injury, but he was able to go home, get rehabbed, come back and have a, a strong camp for the Winnipeg Jets. And I think a lot of folks kind of started to know his name a little more when he got into some preseason action, his first preseason action for the Winnipeg Jets. So that was exciting to see. And now back with the Moose. And when I was talking with Dave Manuk and those guys uh, last weekend, we are talking a lot about building blocks, right? You're just trying to build that foundation and then keep stacking those blocks until you're all the way in the NHL. And then you've built yourself a strong enough base that you're not coming back down. You were talking about the one-way ticket. That's always the goal, right? We want to see a guy leave the Manitoba Moose and ideally never come back because he's contributing to for the Winnipeg Jets. So uh, it's about building that foundation. And, and Kovacevic has done a great job of that. So he's been playing with a few different partners, including Vili Hainala. And it's been cool to see Kovacevic add a little bit more of an offensive side to his game. Definitely excels in his own end. But uh, when you can add that extra dimension to your game, it just makes you that much more valuable. And for Vili Hainala, I mean... 
everybody knows what he can do. He's so smart on the ice. He can move the puck well. So he's definitely been important for the Moose power play. He's been important in racking up uh, racking up points along the way. He's tied with David Gustafson for the team lead in points. And in November, he's been uh, he's been really pushing the pace offensively. So that's been great to see. Obviously, there's still things to work on for Billy Hanel, and that's why he's in the American Hockey League and why it's such a great opportunity for him to marinate and get better and learn from any mistakes that he does make because they happen with young players. And this move coaching staff which has worked with a lot of good defenders over the years and has built players up i mean the track record speaks for itself when you talk about a logan stanley jansen harkins kyle connor guys like that who have been built up and now are key contributors for the winnipeg jets so uh, it's it's an opportunity for some of these younger guys of course we'll see samberg here tonight at canada life center getting into his first action of the season and with so many Jets prospects and draft picks on the blue line. Seven, in fact. We'll see five of them in the lineup here tonight. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch that defensive group play, and it's a great opportunity for fans to, to get a good eye on the future. Well, and, and Dan, you know, I mean, we always focus in on, you know, the top draft picks, the guys that we're expecting to be next called up to the uh, to the Winnipeg Jets. But, I mean, you're calling all these games. You're around the team all the time. I was really impressed with Essie Montpodnanski coming in in the preseason so far. And from what I've seen, um, you know, for folks that maybe they're coming to a game this weekend and they haven't seen the Moose yet, um, you know, we've talked about the usual suspects, you know, Hanela and Gustafson. Is there a player or two that maybe was a little more off the radar coming into the season that sort of stood out to you that people should take note of when they uh, get to the rink? You know, Mihas, this is always my favorite part where I get to extol the virtues of all the guys that uh, maybe don't get the press that they deserve. And there's definitely a lot of them. This Moose lineup is so deep. And really, no matter who they put out on the ice, there's somebody that can contribute. And I mean, you think of guys like Jeff Mallott, who did sign with the Winnipeg Jets this offseason, led the Moose in goals last season. Had a bit of a slow start, just couldn't get the bounces to go. He had chance after chance, finally broke through on the road trip, and all of a sudden he's got three goals in his last four games. Had a beautiful setup for Greg Morellis, who is a guy that I'm guessing it might be a very unfamiliar name to a lot of folks, but he was an off-season signing by the Moose, real young kid, comes in, and he's got six points already for the Moose. So he's been contributing, playing on the fourth line, getting time in on the penalty kill, getting time in on the power play, and making the most of his opportunities. And uh, if, if you've been paying attention to this team for the last few years, you'll know the name Cole Meyer. He's got seven points already on the season, playing alongside Nicholas Jones, and whoever the Moose decide that night needs maybe a little, uh, little boost to play alongside those guys because they're so consistent, they're so good at either end of the ice but Meyer's been able to find a little bit more of that offensive touch so as good a shutdown group as Meyer and Jones who've really been attached at the hip since Jones came to the team last season now they're finding a little bit more offense so and they're a key part of the penalty kill the Moose ranked third in the league in PK so far this season they were sitting at the top of the mountain until last night when Cleveland and Syracuse both uh, played each other and didn't give up any power play goals so they've got a great penalty kill that's only given up one goal in the last six games those guys are a big part of it so up and down this lineup you mentioned AC Montpaganzi you'll find guys that uh, maybe aren't those top prospects uh, that uh, are the the household name but man do they contribute when you consider AC Mont leads the team in goals even though he missed some time due to injury Pagansky playing with Gustafson and Perfetti haven't even talked about Cole Perfetti yet so uh, there's a lot of options for Mark Morrison and his assistant coaches to use on a, on a nightly basis and man when this team gets its pedal down like they did in Milwaukee and put up 60 shots it's just relentless and man is it fun to watch yeah hey well speaking of perfetti how's he doing and who's he playing with right now 
So yeah, mentioned he's sit he's sitting on a wing right now actually with David Gustafson and Austin Pagansky. So getting a little time off the wing gives the give the Moose a bit of a different look and and gives Perfetti a little more room to work, especially when you have guys like the Bus and Pagansky who can go get the puck and and create some space for Perfetti's been a bit of snake bitten lately. He's actually hit, I think it's four posts in the last five games. He's been beating goalies clean, uh, just can't beat the iron back there. So, you know, those are going to start to fall for him soon. But uh, he's Cole Perfetti. I mean, there's a lot of skill there, a lot of talent. And uh, I think it's a bit of an adjustment again. I mean, he had to adjust to the pro game last season. A bit of adjustment again is the quality of the AHL has jumped up that much more this season from having the taxi squads all returned. So there's some tough, big teams out there in the Central Division. So it's a great learning experience for Perfetti to kind of continue to build his game against those bigger, stronger, faster pros. And if it uh, takes off anything like it did towards the end of last season, then he'll be a treat to watch once again with the Moose. I mean, he already is, but uh, it can be that much more fun when those pucks start to go in. Daniel Fink is the voice of the Manitoba Moose. You can hear all the games at cjob.com. And of course, all your Moose information is there for you at moosehockey.com. Um, Dan, we're going to have to get Mark Morrison on the show at some point soon to talk about the season, but um, you're around. I mean, Pascal has been running the show for the last number of years. He gets his opportunity in the National Hockey League. Tell us about the new coach. How has he been on and off the ice? And going into this homestand, what will the coach be looking for, um, you know, as he uh, hopes to see his team continue to improve? Is there an area or whatnot that the Moose are sort of really focusing in on? I think they're going to be trying to get to the front of the net a little bit more. They've outshot their opposition in all but one of their 13 games this season. So I think they'll be trying to push to the front of the net, box out a little better in front of their own. They have been guilty at times of really pushing the pace at one end of the ice and then maybe forgetting that they have to take care of their own end at times too because we see maybe them give up 16 shots in the game. But eight of those are really good looks. So it's about cleaning up some of that stuff. And I think overall, Mark Morrison's been pretty happy with what he's seen from his team. He preaches a lot about pace. We need to play with pace. That's the important thing coming from the American Hockey League to the NHL. Because he was an assistant coach with the Anaheim Ducks the last four seasons before coming back to the Moose. And that's what he noted is that guys coming up from the American Hockey League, they need to adjust to that pace. So we want our guys to always be pushing it, always be pushing it. So they're more ready when they go to the next level. And that also helps... uh, with your own game uh, at the American League level and uh, looking uh, looking at just his style, things like that. He's a pretty laid back guy, but the thing that hasn't changed from Mark Morrison, Pascal Vincent is just how much they care about their players, how much time they spend talking to guys and developing those relationships. And for both those men, that's what they really found rewarding about this position and working in the American Hockey League and helping develop prospects. And I mean, you'll see Mark Morrison out there with the scratches skating, things like that, which sometimes you don't always see your head coach doing uh, on a game day or something like that. He'll let the assistant coaches handle their meetings and things like that. If it's a non-skate day, he might go out with the scratches and things like that. So he's a guy who's very invested in his players and uh, he's just great to work with. Well, and speaking of big time performances, I do have to say before we finish up, Dan, oh, by the way, Alex is asking in the chat about this homestand. It's a five-game homestand tonight and tomorrow and Sunday afternoon against Milwaukee, a week of practice, and then next Saturday and Sunday at home, both matinees, 2 o'clock against the Texas Stars. We are spoiled here um, in Winnipeg right now. We've got one of the best in the biz, Paul Edmonds, calling the Winnipeg Jets for CGOB. We've got Munzee doing the ice. And you, my friend, are doing such a great job calling the Moose game. And we played that uh, the OT winner by Gavanka from the 61 <laughs> shot game a few times. Uh, 
Uh, but it can, it, it's quite obviously you're having a lot of fun. But um, if we're talking about great prospects in the game coming out of the Moose, I will put your name at the top of the list. We're lucky to have you right now. We're very lucky to have you on this program, man. Thanks so much for doing this. No problem. Okay, so if you got a second, I got a funny story about that. Fire away. So I finished the goal call. I didn't have a lot of air in the system right at the end, talking too much. Pushed maybe a little too hard from it. All of a sudden, the building in Milwaukee starts doing somersaults. (laughs) Have to put my head down between my knees as Derek Meech is finishing off and find my chair. Meanwhile, this is going on. I can't hear anything. I got this headset on. And Brad Andrews and Mike Keene are sitting down a little far. They just burst out laughing. I don't know if they're laughing at me or whatever. I get my headset off when we finally go to break. What is so funny? They look at me and say, some guy down at the front, like down by ice level, after the OT winner spins around. And after it's finished screaming, my lungs out screams, nobody's listening back at me from the stands. <laughs> at which point I realize in a in a building that it gets pretty quiet when the road team scores an overtime goal. You could hear me throughout the entire place. So I had a pretty good laugh at that afterwards. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's so much fun to, to be kind of back to normal a little bit, be out on the road. And, uh, you know, I love calling the games and I appreciate the kind words, Hustler. It's a pleasure to bring them to everybody. And uh, yeah, I'd, but that all said, I'd rather you were back here in the bowl here tonight, fans. Uh, again, us mentioned it, but uh, we're going to be here next two nights, 7 o'clock, moosehockey.com slash tickets to get yours. 2 o'clock on Sunday, which is also the Hockey Fights Cancer game. We'll have a specialty jersey on the ice. New look. Haven't done the lavender before, so that'll be pretty cool. And of course, the next two games against the Texas Stars the next weekend. It's been a lot of fun to be back in front of fans. That's been the big thing about this season for me. It's a little bit emotional at times seeing everybody back in the building, so we'd love to have you here tonight. And again, this team's a lot of fun to watch, and you don't want to miss those opportunities opportunities to see them. No, there's no doubt. This is the best Moose team we've seen since they returned to Winnipeg. Uh, a lot of great Jet prospects, a lot of great professionals, and it uh, should be some great hockey. Keep bringing it, my man. Now, let's do this next week uh, before the uh, series against Texas. Sounds good, Huss. Thanks a lot. There it is. At Daniel Fink on Twitter, moosehockey.com, and of course, cjob.com for the broadcast of all the Manitoba Moose games. Get out and check out this team. They are uh, they're a wagon this year. Um, All right, we're going to get back to Jets and Oilers. Do want to shout out our friends at Princess Auto. I'm so fired up. Going to be heading out to Saskatoon on the weekend for the Tim Hortons Olympic curling trials. We'll do some special Princess Auto curling reports as five Manitoba teams are in the mix to represent Canada at the Beijing Games. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of Jennifer Jones' squad, as well as Mike McEwen's squad. And um, I'll tell you what, they're also the spot where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. You can check them out at one of two Winnipeg locations. Of course, their head office nationwide is here as well. Family owned. And uh, you can also shop online or get those ideas spinning in your head 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. Uh, We do have a busy night tonight in the National Hockey League. Let's quickly check the Boston Pizza scoreboard for tonight. Um, Preds and Sens is postponed due to the uh, COVID outbreak. You got the Flames and Sabres, Rangers, Leafs, Pens, Habs, Devils, Panthers, Lightning and Flyers, Sharks and Blues. Big Central Division matchup between the Stars and the Wild. Blue Jackets, Coyotes, Red Wings, Golden Knights, Hurricanes, Ducks, and of course, eight o'clock Winnipeg time, the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. 
Uh, we've got a Thursday night football game as well. No better place to get together with the gang than at your local Boston Pizza for those ice-cold schooners, Boston's Wings, great pizza, and the big game on with the big sound. And if you're staying home, order online at bostonpizza.com or give a call to your local BP. Um, oh, I got to give a shout out to uh, Nick and the Nick and Nikki DQ group. I uh, was talking to Nick yesterday. I am very excited to try this new steakhouse burger. He was telling me, uh, st extolling all the virtues of this new burger. And I've always said DQ in the fast food game, the most underrated burgers around. I'm a huge fan of the Ultimate Grill Burger, but this Steakhouse Burger looks amazing. So pop down to one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs and try them out. You've got the DQ in Niverville. Nick's working lunches this week, by the way, uh, helping out at one of the stores. So if you're out in Niverville, pop in, maybe go through the drive-thru and say, what's up to Nick from a WST listener. Uh, they've also got the DQ on Northgate, the DQ at Polo Park, and the DQ St. Anne's, which is now open year-round, much to the delight of everybody in St. Vital. And they're also doing all those blizzards, great burgers, and everything out on uh, the uh, delivery apps from St. Anne's with Skip the Dishes and DoorDash. Hit them up on Insta at DQ Manitoba if you want to get a cake ordered, customized, ready for you to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQ locations. All right, let's get back to this Jets Oilers series and the rematch tonight. And we welcome in Invisalign spokesman <laughs> Tom Gazzola, fresh from getting the grill taken care of. What's up, Tommy? How are you? Oh, I'm just grinning ear to ear, Hus. Just uh, feels great. Everything's nice and clean, uh, much better than I can do. So, yeah, Invisalign. <laughs> Sure, I'll, I'll do a little uh, pitch for them if I need to. Thank you for that. <laughs> no doubt about it. Great to have you on the program. You know, I was on with Dusty and Eric this morning. And, you know, of course, uh, often now that we don't have a station here, we'll listen to what the guys are doing in the morning. Um, yesterday, let's just say the focus was on Canada's big win at Commonwealth Stadium because I'm not sure that um, many Oiler fans wanted to talk too much about the game on Tuesday night. Um We'll maybe get a comment on the soccer in a minute, but you, just your thoughts on that game between the Jets and Oilers on Tuesday night and the way that it went, especially considering the background of an unexpected four-game sweep in the playoffs. Yeah, not a lot of people wanted to talk about the Oilers game on the post-game show either, so myself and Hernan Salas and Matty Cassian were like, well, I guess we'll talk a little bit of soccer. Um, listen, this is turning into a great rivalry between the Jets and the Oilers, and I know people in Winnipeg love it, especially now with the Jets doing what they did to Edmonton in the postseason last year. Well done. And then, uh, of course, the Oilers, uh, you know, they had success against Winnipeg last year in the regular season. All those wins in a row and everybody here is thinking, all right, the Oilers are finally going to wake up, play well in the postseason, maybe win a round or two. And the Jets stopped that, snuffed it out pretty well. And then so... We're thinking going into the game the other night on Tuesday, like could the Oilers maybe use some of what happened last year in the postseason in May as motivation? And Winnipeg just came out, took the early lead on that Lowry goal. Like, listen, Miko Koskinen, you got to have that. That's not an NHL caliber goal. No offense to the Jets and they're faithful, but that's not good. Uh, Koskinen's been gifting those. So that put the Oilers behind the eight ball. And on that road trip, they were really, really spotty defensively. Us, their five-on-five five play has been a big issue. And when they want to turn it on against good teams, they can. They didn't do that the other night. And if they don't do it tonight, I think the Jets could smack them and take two in a row from them. So the Oilers need to sharpen up big time. Defensively, neutral zone, 
and goaltending. You know what? Uh, the average has been good for Koskinen, who won't be playing tonight. Looks like it's Stuart Skinner. But, man, when you're down a goal early in six straight and for the majority of this month, that's you get tired of it, and that's a tough hill to climb night after night after yeah. night after night. You know, that goal was amateur hour. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that one can't go in. Although I will say this. I mean, when you when we got to the intermission, we're talking to people. I mean, that could have easily been two or three nothing in the first yeah. period. I mean, I'm not sure they were brilliant saves or maybe the Jets just not making the most of some pretty darn good point blank opportunities that were there. But the Oilers were still absolutely in that game. And I think what was maybe surprising to many of us in the building that were sort of expecting, okay, when is this push coming from Dreisaitl and McDavid and guys that we've seen tearing up the league all season? It was the Jets in the third period that really sort of, um, you know, raised their game even more. And, you know, obviously 4 nothing after the second period. But this is the thing about the Edmonton Oilers, and everyone here knows it. Um, these games can change quickly. Everybody saw what happened to the New York Rangers a couple of weeks ago when Dreidel said, don't worry, it's coming. And it sort of felt like it was coming early in the third period when there were some unfortunate penalties on the Winnipeg side of things. This game flipped. It's a two-goal game with 16 and a half minutes left. But at that point, and certainly from a Winnipeg side of things, Paul Maurice talked about it. And maybe the thing that he was the most happy was with was the way the Jets played after the Oilers getting back into the game. And what I don't think anyone could have imagined was a frustrated Connor McDavid taking a penalty late in the game because of Neil Pionk. Let me talk, ask you about Pionk, because <laughs> I've heard a number of people in the Edmonton market saying it's crazy. But the one defenseman in the National Hockey League that seems to give McDavid more of a problem than anyone is Neil Pionk. Do you subscribe to that? And, and why is that? Absolutely, I do. For whatever reason, and I like Neil Pionk. Like, this is a good defenseman. Uh, he has offensive capabilities. We've seen that. He scored some nice goals. And he's he's all right defensively, too. I, I look at Pionk, and I'm like, where did this kind of, like, pest come from? And he is a guy that I don't think it's just McDavid Huss. I think he gets under the skin of the team in general. And obviously, if you get under McDavid's skin, the other guys are going to jump in. But I remember a game last season where Leon Dreisaitl basically went from one corner to the other just to take a shot at Neil Pionk. And I'm like, why are you doing that? I thought the beef with Pionk and McDavid was the only one that was there. But this is a guy that's found a way to get under their skin. We saw McDavid take that penalty on him. Listen, Pionk did a good job of getting in there, came back after, you know, taking one in the chops and was laughing about it. And then you see the scrum that ensues. He played it to a T. He's been playing it to a T. The only other guy that I think that annoys the Oilers and Oiler fans as much, maybe a little bit more, is Matthew Kachuk. And that's that's pretty high praise from Neil Pionk. So, you know, maybe the Oilers try to do it in a legal way tonight. Maybe they try to get physical with Pionk just to say, hey, enough is enough. But that that's just an idea, maybe a slight recommendation. However, this team doesn't really assert itself physically. That's another thing that the Jets did really well. They took the body on the Oilers, and the Oilers didn't have much of a response physically. So that needs to be something that gets stepped up. But Neil Pionk has done a fantastic job, Hus. Honestly, um, he annoys the Oilers more than anybody else in the league, save for Matthew Kachuk. And if you can get these guys off their game, get them thinking about a defenseman rather than trying to light up uh, the Jets, uh, you know, listen, Hellebuck's a hell of a goalie too. So that's tough to do in the first place. 
Um, kudos. Like, honestly, kudos to Neil Pionk. Yeah, well, and the one thing that's so different from from last year to this year, um, you know, for the majority of last year, Neil Pionk was playing with Derek Forbort, who had, you know, a good first half of the season, I think really sort of came back to the mean, if you will, in the second half. He's now got six four six five Brendan Dillon as his defense partner. And I think everybody plays a few inches taller when you have a guy like that. Let me ask you just about your opinion of the Jets on seeing this, especially on that blue line, how different the Jets defense looks now with Nate Schmidt yep. alongside Josh Morrissey, who frankly looks like a different player last year. And now Neil Pionk with some serious beef on his side in that top four in Brendan Dillon. When they made those moves, Huss, in the offseason, I'm like, this team is going to be one that needs to be reckoned with because it's, it's, you know, I'm sure there's, there's holes and, and, and deficiencies on this team, but from an outsider's take, covering the orders and then seeing the Jets every time they come to town or the orders go there, I'm looking at the Jets, especially this summer, I'm like, that looks like a pretty complete roster. I love the first two lines. I still have a lot of time for Paul Stasny. I know he was banged up. Uh, didn't make the trip and didn't play in that last game, but I still think he has something to give. The top two lines that the Jets have, I think, are fantastic as well. Like, there's depth everywhere on this team, and then you got the backbone in in Hellebuck. Like, I'm looking at them, going, boy, like, watch out for this this club. And and that was something that we talked about going into the postseason was, can you expose the Jets' blue line? The Oilers clearly couldn't. Um, Edmonton's lack of offensive depth was something that showed. And and so we got some answers there, but now they add guys like Dylan, veteran guys, guys like Schmidt, veteran guys that um, have been around, they've had success and can hold their own. It just bolsters this lineup. I like the Jets lineup, and I'm not trying to pander to your your crowd and your audience. It's a good team that they have over there, and that's why I think the Oilers have to be on their A game tonight. And anything less. We're talking about Winnipeg taking away two points out of Edmonton. Well, we'll get to a couple of the issues with the Oilers in a minute, but I I, I will say sort of what you've said about the Jet Blue Line. I sort of feel the same way about the Edmonton forward unit. I mean, this team, as close as that series was, um, was completely relying on McDavid and Dreisaitl. And when those guys weren't able to score... I mean, it was the Jets game. I mean, and you saw with Tippett. I mean, I can't remember. We had some fun talking about the ice time numbers between Edmonton and Winnipeg in those overtime games and just how heavy it was. But I mean, you know, you add in a player like Zach Hyman, Warren Fogle, I think, is a guy that not a lot of people talk about, but has been a real nice add to that middle six. From your perspective, I mean, how much of a better place are the Oilers in 1-12 to for their forward group as opposed to the one that we saw bow out last spring? Yeah, you could legitimately say they have three lines that can hurt you. Uh, unfortunately, this is what's happening. Us is they're coughing up tons of goals five on five, regardless of what lines out there. So they've addressed a couple of needs. Obviously, the depth was was one, and then at the same time, with the way that Hyman plays, with the way that Fogel plays, it was a sneaky good pickup. It wasn't a popular trade sending Ethan Bear the other way. That's a defenseman that Oilers fans really took to. Um, but you got to. You got to give up something to get something. And that's something that some people around here didn't necessarily like or want to admit and thought the, the cost was too high. But Warren Fogle is a guy that plays in the tough areas of the ice. He's a bigger body. Uh, he has elements of being physical. We didn't see it the other night. And so too does Zach Hyman. Zach Hyman is not as tall, maybe not as big as Warren Fogle, but he goes to the gritty areas, scores ugly goals, Huss. And, and one thing the orders haven't done in years prior 
was is pay the price to score goals. And it was passing pucks into the net, making the pretty plays. And if they couldn't do that, you know, you weren't getting anything from the third and fourth lines. They were basically a black hole on the roster. Now you have these guys who are capable uh, of doing that. Fogel on the third line. Hyman's been up and down between the first two lines. Um, the added depth there is good. The style of play is important because, again, they didn't have that. Now the problem is, back in their own zone, Hus, they're leaking goals like crazy. Some of them are on the goalie. Some of them are on Koskinen, yes, and Stuart Skinner to a lesser extent. But a lot of it is on the defensive zone play, sloppy from day one of the season. Very sloppy, lots of mistakes, lazy plays up the wall. Doesn't matter what line's out there. They've been making those plays, and it's cost them for the first month of the season. And then through the neutral zone, too, where you're seeing passes getting picked off when guys should be – Duncan Keith has had a ton of neutral zone outlet passes picked off us where they've come back the other way and been goals. So that's the issue. But, yes, the depth is there. The scoring is obviously there. But you got to keep pucks out of your own net. And uh, as a whole, the team's just not doing it very well at all. Well, speaking, Tom Gazzola, by the way, is with us. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Tom Gazzola. You can check him out along with Hernan Salas doing pre- and post-game coverage for TSN 1260. And, uh, of course, filling in very admirably for Dusty when he's gallivanting around the country calling CFL games. Keeping the puck out of the net, I mean, the last line of defense, and that, you know, honestly, I think was the difference between these two teams in the playoffs. The Winnipeg Jets had Connor Hellebuck and the Edmonton Oilers didn't. And when you're going down to a game, an incredibly thin difference between winning and losing often it's one big save that keeps you in a game that allows you to win um i know there was a ton of talk around edmonton about the fact that they didn't change the goaltending going into this season mike smith came back miko koskinen was still signed and now smith is out early on in the season and to be honest the results for koskinen early on were quite good i mean he did have some relatively good numbers and when he didn't have a strong game the Oilers were able to outscore their opposition are they going to be able to continue to do that? And, you know, when you're talking to Oilers fans, how hot of a topic is goaltending? And do you think Ken Holland's already thinking about potentially making some move, not waiting till the deadline to add somebody, but maybe trying to get someone here sooner as opposed to later, especially with Mike Smith at the age that he's at with some questions as to how many games he can play and how healthy he'll be for the season and the playoffs. Those are totally valid questions too. And clearly two years in a row, he's, He's gotten hurt early in the season. The team has had to rely on Miko Koskinen. It is a hot button issue. We're hearing it on the post game show, the morning show, whatever show. Like people are talking about it, and they're they're downright angry. Uh, listen, I think Kenny Holland's open for business has been uh, basically since the end of last season, and just has to find the right move, the right guy at the right price. Obviously, the salary cap's an issue. Meet Miko Koskinen, Hus, when he was gifted that beautiful contract from. Peter parting gift. It's like oh. when you leave the prices right. Thank you. We have some beautiful parting gifts. Here's a three-year contract at four and a half million a season. Yeah, after playing like 30 NHL games over the course of his career. And that was right before Peter Shirelli was fired. Add to that, it has a limited no movement clause in there. Like that's <laughs> that's the icing on the cake. Well, good when it luck comes trading to that. that contract, anyways. But so yeah, and then that's what Holland's trying to deal with. Would he like to get rid of Koskinen? Yeah. But here he is with Miko Koskinen. Uh, I'm sure he's he's poking and prying, making calls, because that's what Ken Holland does. Every time a guy becomes available, it seems like the Oilers we hear are interested or you hear the insiders talk about them. I think that's just Ken Holland calling everybody because that's what he does. Uh, he's just like a hockey geek, wants to know the story about everybody. That's 
in the National Hockey League. So that's that's good. But with Koskinen, they're stuck with him right now. Stuart Skinner, again, is the kind of up-and-coming goaltender. Miko Koskinen, in the last six starts since November 1st, Huss, um, he's allowed the first shot of the game to go in once. That was the other night in Winnipeg. Twice has allowed the second shot of the game to go in. One time, the third shot of the game goes in. Another time, the fourth shot of the game goes in. And then the outlier, believe it or not, was against St. Louis, where he allowed the 10th shot of the game to go in. So early goals are a major issue. And this was something that happened with him last year, too. He hasn't been able to shake it. The guy's 33 years old. I don't think you're teaching an old dog like that new tricks. And and these aren't great goals. The Lowry goal the other night, perfect example. Like, just... uh, uh, us, like, that was ugly. <laughs> yeah, and those are the types of goals that are going in. The only one that I could think of this month that on the second shot of the game that was legit was Heedle, uh in that crazy New York game. You're like, all right, you know, I'm not going to blame that one on Miko Koskinen. But the other ones, just like, come on, dude. You need to be there for your team. Um, and then it's would, compounded would, would, by the sloppiness, hey, too. Would the uh, would I mean, do you think Ken Holland would uh, have his first round pick next year on the table for goaltending help right now? Considering, I mean, you sort of have a window. There's only so many years you have yeah. with McDavid and Dreisaitl playing at this level. And I mean, man, it, it really would be a shame just as a hockey fan in me to see a team with so much potential. It is so fun to watch not being able to get to close to their potential um, because they have a serious issue at arguably the most important position in the game. I think the first rounder would be on the table. Obviously, it'd have to be, you know, the right return. But absolutely, um, I think the realization that now is the time is is acknowledged by everybody in this city. I mean, everybody, top brass at the Oilers, the team, coaching staff, media, obviously, and the fans. They've been sick of the losing. Now they they can see that this team has a nucleus that is something that potentially could be special. They're seeing these unbelievable performances from their top two guys in dry saddle and mcdavid so yeah like you got to strike when the iron's hot and uh it just depends what's out there Huss. like can you can you pluck mark andre Fleury out of chicago now all of a sudden they're winning games after getting rid of colleton a lot of people around here really like john gibson and they still bring up his name but anaheim's off to an excellent start so are those guys available probably not um, you know, the prospects aren't particularly great, but we've got a lot of hockey left. So something could shake loose by then. But I think, again, Ken Holland's probably open for business because to expect a third straight season where the goaltending's a pleasant surprise in Koskinen and Smith, now, you know, sprinkle in Stuart Skinner, I think that's too much of a gamble. And, and we're already starting to see it kind of, we've seen them bend, and now they're starting to break a little bit where these deficits are, are starting to cost them points. What um uh, what's the word on Smith? I mean, how optimistically when would he be back? Uh, okay, so the last I, I was talking to some people last night, he hasn't even been skating. They're they're taking it slow with this lower body injury. Uh, they're saying it's a leg, and so you know, obviously the healing process has not gone to plan. He was on the trip, left after like two or three days, back to Edmonton to get treatment. He's not even skating right now, so it could still be at least another week could be a couple more weeks. And now that's really going to test the metal of Koskinen and now Stuart Skinner. Skinner's look good. Has not gotten the run support in the starts that he's had this year. Cost himself uh, points and a potential victory in Detroit last week when he 
had a terrible blub to Dylan Larkin. And it was just, it was a bad gaff, obviously, but he's been solid. And you know what? He, he makes the first stop. <laughs> That's, uh, it's sad that we're even talking about at Huss at this point, but like shot one, two, three, four, and five generally gets stopped by Stuart Skinner. Generally. Uh, Tommy Gazzola with us here, getting ready for the rematch tonight. A great rivalry coming to fruition between the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. Eight o'clock start here in Winnipeg, seven o'clock start out in Edmonton. Hey, Tom, just before we go, um, and I know you actually ended up doing a de facto World Cup qualifier post-game show on Tuesday. Uh, you were working. Did you get to the game on, on Friday? And just as an Edmonton guy, give us a little idea about how exciting that was for the city um, to have those games played there. The incredible turnout from Edmonton fans and Canadian soccer fans coming from all around. And of course, to have you know their own Alfonso Davies be such a big part of um, a historic win for Canada. Yeah, Huss, there's a lot of good elements that came together, right place, right time type of thing. Uh, unfortunately, I was not at either game because it was an Oilers game night, both of those, so I had to be on the air. But, you know, 45,000 the other day in minus 10 uh, with snow. Like, there was a, like a snowstorm. You guys know snowstorms very that well. That storm just was like no joke. I mean, Dusty no. in the morning was describing it like the planet Hoth. I mean, 20 centimeters <laughs> yeah. of snow. It doesn't matter if you're in Winnipeg or Edmonton. That's a significant dump. And people showed up, and it was excellent. And Alfonso Davies, you know, this is a, a fantastic story. This is a kid that was a, a refugee, came to Edmonton, lived in a couple of rough neighborhoods, but got his started with the soccer program, Grassroots, and obviously had the talent, the desire, the want, and he got to uh, the Whitecaps, and then we saw him at MLS. We're seeing him at Bayern Munich now, and all of that came together. This team is fantastic. Obviously, we're fortunate we have a great stadium here where we can host these type of events. And people bought in. And I think, you know, it's funny. I say this jokingly, but it was nice to see a winning team, a winning home team at Commonwealth Stadium <laughs> this year. What, a, what an ugly year for the oh. Elks. I mean, geez, that's, and yeah. I, I didn't see that coming, to, to be honest, that it was no. bad. Maybe we should have known that when they only give up 90 yards of offense and lose on a pick six in game one, that was a bit of an omen for a rough season. But I don't think anyone could have imagined it going as bad as it's been this year. Terrible. And they won that night, the night we had the, the Jets-Oilers game and the Canada-Mexico game. So yeah, yeah the don't... Argo game that nobody <laughs> yeah. watched at all, including <laughs> exactly. in Toronto. <laughs> exactly. But just to finish up on Canada, it you know what? It was the, the Women's uh, World Cup or... In 2002, I think it was, uh, U23, or, or it was one of those where Christine Sinclair was just getting on the scene, and they had like 35,000 in the stands at Commonwealth for those games. And, and I think that's where this uh, infatuation and love of Canada's soccer well, Tom, uh, program, to be honest with you, yeah. I mean, I can tell you, I mean, I worked with the Oilers about 20 years ago. I had Steven Sandor on the program, who I worked with at the time there. He's really turned into one of the preeminent soccer journalists in yep. town out of, Ed, out of Edmonton. And we went to a game at Commonwealth, an international friendly between Canada and Trinidad and Tobago. And I mean, I was a very casual fan at the time, but Dwight York, who was playing, I believe, for Man United, was in the game. And I mean, I was sort of new in the city. I went there just because, well, I mean, I'm into sports. I'll go to pretty much anything. <laughs> but I mean, there was 30,000 people for that. And yep. I got a chance to kind of learn about 
I mean, Edmonton has been a city that has supported soccer, Canadian soccer, with actual people cheering for Canada, which didn't happen in a lot of the other markets. It was always visiting fans. So there is that legacy. And then you think about the Women's World Cup and now, of course, the shared World Cup between Canada and the United States for, I believe, 2026. Yep. Um, Edmonton showed out big time that they should be at the top of the list for those international events um, because the people stepped up. You need to have that sort of fan support. And to think about the conditions uh, for both games and the turnout and the atmosphere, and you heard it from John Herdman and every one of the players. I mean, this was a very, very special. Uh, we'll always remember the hashtag IceTeca and remember those <laughs> games. And uh, I'll tell you what, for people, and I mean, there's lots of room on the bandwagon. If you have ever been someone that's been even casually interested in international soccer, but not really because Canada stunk for so long, it seems like that time is over. And uh, man, is it exciting for people that are following Canada's men's national team. It's not just the women winning all the gold and doing all the heavy lifting. And you know what's funny, too? I'm glad you point that out. That was around, what, when, when Canada won the Gold Cup around 2000 or so? Yep. So they kind of had a little resurgence. And then there was a friendly here in, like, 94 where Brazil came to town, and they sold out Commonwealth. And I don't think our Canadian men at that point was a particularly formidable squad or anything like that. I can so, assure you they weren't. Yeah, and, you know, people here at Do Embrace Soccer, and there's, there's a ton of space at that stadium um, it's just nice to see the passion reignited. And you know what? They're talking now about 2026 hosting games here. I'm sure if they get that done, Edmonton would happily host games here. A lot of refurbishments would go to that stadium, which has been maintained pretty well. And, and the other thing too, Huss, is they're talking about getting rid of the, the turf, which would be fantastic to see natural grass back at Commonwealth. Really, it would be, even if it was just temporary. Yeah, and I think they'd certainly have to do that if they yep. wanted to be a, a host for World Cup games. Tommy, thanks for doing this. I know it's a busy day for you. If the Jets win tonight, make sure to just open up the phones for about 90 <laughs> minutes. We'll all be tuning in. I love it, Huss. Thanks for having me on, man. Enjoy the game. Right on. Let's do this again soon. There's Tom Gazzola in Edmonton uh, doing pre and post for TSN 1260 and a regular contributor to the Nielsen Show. And, of course, Dusty and uh, Tom also do the oil stream. So for you Oiler fans... Make sure to check that out on your podcast platforms. Uh, Dusty, the king of content, cranking out much more. And speaking of content cranked out by Dusty, he and I will be doing another edition of the Lock Shop for week 10 in the National Football League, or I guess no, week 11 now, uh, coming up tomorrow morning on all your podcast feeds, as well as streaming live on Dusty's Twitter account. Great stuff with Tommy. Thanks to him for coming on the program. Hey, I do. Uh, tomorrow is when is Friday, and you know what that means, gang? Another marble race with some great prizes with our great sponsor and official whiskey Canadian Club. Um, we've got the co-branded Winnipeg Sports Talk Canadian Club hoodies to give away. Rob Mahoney has a uh, has one of his associates popping by to uh, pick up his I Love Rye package. We'll have another one of those as well to give away. Uh, with the Doc 57, that special Manitoba, Saskatchewan only blend. Give that out. I know we got got one for Rob uh, today as well. Uh, but right now, in our local liquor stores, if you can find it, the CC Chronicles Canadian Club 44-year-old Whiskey Sixes is uh, is something else. 44 years in the making, a tribute to a time when bootleggers would smuggle Canadian Club across the frozen Detroit River in six-cylinder roadsters. 
Um, you can find that out. There was less than 70 bottles in the province of Manitoba. They debuted last week. So uh, if you do have somebody that is a, uh, a real lover of rye, this is a very special bottle available at local Manitoba liquor marts. And of course, the great taste of CC will be available and probably a lot being poured December 5th for the big Western final between the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the winner of the Riders and the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, we'll get to the cool bet lines in a minute. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. And uh, Remo, speaking of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, we do have a couple of practice updates from one Ed Tate. And Zach Caleros is back, the new father running with the ones today. But uh, interestingly enough, Sean McGuire out but not throwing. And third stringer Drew Brown getting some work at QB as well. Yes, uh, that's exactly Ed tweeting. So we'll wait and see. It sounds seems like Caleros will get some reps. Who knows how long? But maybe they weren't impressed with Sean McGuire. We don't know if he's hurt. We'll wait and wait in here. But it's pretty clear, Zach Caleros. He's the guy. He's gonna have baby swag. It's his second child. Uh, I think baby swag doubled. You know, it exponentially grows the more, more you have. Right. That's why Phil Rivers had all of his power. His so, entire career was just one endless swing of baby swag because as soon as it ended he cranked out another kid with his wife exactly so uh you know we just hope everyone's healthy i see a lot of people tweeting about um the 2007 bombers huss and we all know it was you uh who jinxed them when you went to buy tickets to the great cup and you came back downstairs and saw kevin Kevin getting carted off but i and the argos kicking an extra point yeah so we're kind of just like crossing our fingers i know the bombers play this weekend against Calgary, it's a glorified exhibition game, right? To be fair to say, they're just trying to get her healthy, get your reps in. They are favored by by four, but we'll see. But Calgary, I'm kind of getting spooked from Calgary. Reggie Bagleton had a big game. Uh, I don't think Bo Levi is the same guy from the past couple of years, but he does have that, you know, that history of being a great player in the CFL. So uh, they we could have, you know, there could be the December fifth rematch. We'll wait and see. Well, you know what? I mean, the one thing about Calgary, uh, as talented as they are, they don't have a good record of playing in the cold. And, um, you know, as much as on an even field, if they were playing at BC Place, I think I would take Calgary over Saskatchewan. But I do think the Riders are going to be ready for Calgary. And and the three games that they played just last month or whatever, all of them were incredibly close. But Calgary sort of got off the mat with the first two wins in that series and really got themselves back, uh, you know, back in on the road to overtaking the BC Lions, who completely cratered out um, after getting pumped by the Bombers at home. And they were never the same team after that. Nathan Rourke's getting the final start. So here's the question for you, Remus, and you know where I'm going with this. Does Zach Calero stay in the game long enough to get 172 yards and lead the league in passing this season? Oh, um, how many yards does he need? 172. Riley has 171 and is not starting. Of course, Calero sat out last yeah. game. Yeah. Um. I, th- I don't think it's 50. percent I, th- I think I've yeah. got about a 40 percent chance of Calero getting in long enough. Hopefully, a couple big ones early in the game. Yeah, really I think it's going to be good. close. He might fall just short. They'll have to keep. Ke- if he plays the whole game, I'd be like, yeah, but I mean, he doesn't throw for. A ton of yards. He's usually around the 240 for a game, so he's going to need a big half for you to get there. 
That's the uh, that's the hope. That's the hope. Um, massive sports night tonight, as I mentioned yeah. on the Boston Pizza scoreboard. Uh, there is plenty to uh, get ready for tonight. Uh, we'll start it off with this NFL game. Uh, this line hasn't moved pretty much all all week. Patriots opened up at minus six and a half. Uh, although Falcons now even money at plus six and a half. Would not be surprised if that number got to seven because. A lot of the people that'll be betting close to the game will probably be jumping on New England with the way they've played as of late. I'm taking the under 47 on this one. Definitely after what's happened to favorites, especially road favorites the last couple of weeks, I'm staying far away from the New England minus six and a half, despite the fact that their defense has been so good. I think they've only given up, you know, single digits in the last couple of games. And Atlanta's coming off an embarrassing 40 point loss to the Dallas Cowboys. But every time you think you figure teams out, we get the exact reversal. That's why underdogs, I think, are 28-14 against the spread in the last couple of weeks. So NFL starting at 7:20, and then 8 o'clock tonight, the Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, Jets, a pretty significant underdog. Uh, they were a very slight underdog to Edmonton on Tuesday, plus 137 in the rematch and uh, the Oilers with apparently Skinner starting minus 161. So uh, if you do like the Jets' chances tonight, some pretty good value at the plus 137. Um, a ton of games tonight. Got a good night to make a parlay tonight, Reem. Uh, you're looking at the slate. Any games that sort of stick out to you other than the Jets-Oilers, which we'll all be paying attention to at 8 o'clock? I was reading uh, Dom's write-up in The Athletic, and he is very heavy on uh, the Minnesota Wild uh, against the Dallas Stars. So I tend to go with go with him. Um, Dallas you know, Dallas is not that good. Yeah, I don't. Th- I think they've had trouble scoring. Um, so I would I would go there. Um, I'm not I'm not really sure. I did do my uh, my DraftKings. Uh, DraftKings picks. So I keep seeing uh, Chris Meany. We've had him on the show. He keeps saying bet uh, Troy Terry to score a point on on this. Yeah, streak. over a half a point every week. And you know, the other one that Meany yeah. really hits and has been hitting hard that has been cashing is Pierre Luc Dubois over two and a half shots per game. Um, yeah. He's getting he's getting the ice time. He's getting the opportunity mm-hmm. and he's shooting the puck. And that one has hit. I want to say six or seven of the last few game, uh, last one, like games. I've seen a lot of sharp people on Twitter just saying find a player and you can get these two and a half shots per game props, which seem uh, seem beatable. And the, to me, I mean, the props are more beatable than um, betting just like straight up. I feel like, you know, the Vegas, they know what they're doing when they're setting these lines. And they're tough to beat, but maybe you can find an edge on props. Yeah, Dubois is uh, minus one fifteen to go over yeah, two and a half shots. I, I like that. I like that. Yeah, that, the uh, Ehlers. Uh, Ehlers is minus two hundred on over two and a half because uh, Ehlers has been shooting the puck quite a bit. And uh, let's see, Mark Shifley over on shots two and a half is plus one thirty. Yeah, on take the that. over. Do it. That's um, a good one. Blake Wheeler plus 135 on the over. Mm. Kyle Connor, even money. Although the Kyle Connor number is uh is about even money on over 3.5. So um, but anyways, the Jets have been making some money for people that have been backing them over the last few weeks, as well as on some of those props. If you uh, haven't already, check out coolbet.com. You can uh, get a WST bump a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. Just make sure you use the promo code WST. 
And while you're there, I've been mentioning, we'll be doing some special Princess Auto curling reports. I'm going to be out in Saskatoon doing the show with Remus all next week. And uh, it all gets going on the weekend. A couple really cool... Uh, oh, wow. This number that we gave out right at the start when they dropped it, um, they've got the province to win the women's trials. Uh, and of course, Manitoba's got three entries. Tracy Fleury, Carrie Einerson, and Jen Jones. It was minus 179 to start. It was minus 200 yesterday. It's now minus 244. And it's amazing. I mean, you know, Carrie Einerson and Jennifer Jones are the most decorated teams but it's Tracy Fleury's team that is, in fact, the favorite to outright win the event. Tracy Fleury out of East St. Paul. What a great story that would be. Plus 150. Rachel Holman next at 235. Carrie Einerson at plus 245. And then a big, big gap. Jen Jones, more than 8-1 to one right now. And she opened right around 5-1. to one. So, obviously, the steam is on those top three teams. Two of the three being Manitoba teams. So that would uh, make a uh, kind of the reason why we're seeing now such a, a big number on the Manitoba to win it. As far as the men's outright, Brad Gushu now a minus 110 favorite. That's sort of stunning when you think about how strong this field is. Brad Jacobs, second at plus 265. And then Kevin Cooey at plus 520. Brendan Botcher, um, plus 595. And then all the other teams, I mean, way, way back. Mike McEwen, 17 to 1. They, of course, were one shot away from being the Olympic representative last time around. And uh, our guy Gunner, Jason Gunlickson, want to get a little Cinderella story action going on? 61 to 1. John Epping, 65 to 1. And Tanner Horgan, 88 to 1. So, bit chalky at the top of the men's side. Uh, it's all there. Coolbet Canada, of course, TSN will have all the action beginning on the weekend. And uh, I'll be joining Michael Remus from Saskatoon from Monday until Friday until Winnipeg Sports Talk. And again, if you are into curling, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Hustlerama and Instagram and Coolbet Canada. Chris Abbott and I will be doing a bunch of content from Saskatoon in between draws, updating you on odds, talking to some of the athletes. Uh, should be a really, really fun, fun weekend. Um, Remo, going to be a great night tonight. I mean, uh, we've got this football game starting off like a bit of an appetizer. And then, uh, got to tell you, I mean, Jet fans, justifiably very excited to see whether the team might be able to pull off the sweep of the series. I said coming in, if you can win a game, you'll be happy. If you can get three points, it would be great. Now for the Winnipeg Jets, the way they played on Tuesday night, it's time to get greedy and see if you can uh, win them both and then move on for uh, tomorrow's game in Vancouver with four points already in your pocket from this week. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to Friday against Vancouver. I know we have a conversation planned with Matt Sakaris. I'm really enjoying What's going on from afar there with Vancouver? So I think win one today. Uh, Mitchell Clinton tweeted out um, that Connor Hellbuck in the, you know in his regular starters routine. So I'm expect I'm expecting the same the same lineup, and we'll see from Edmonton. Uh, there was some chatter to Jeff Hamilton in a media scrum with McDavid, where he's asked they're asking McDavid about you know how he's upset he's not getting the calls, and I would agree. I would agree, McDavid. I mean he's drawing penalties; they're not getting called against him and his McDavid's line was um what it says given all the talk about his play the minutes he logs but the few by comparison to others penalties he, he draws if he felt he deserved more calls McDavid says guess I got to or just got to shut up about it and then he tried to expand and then shrugged I mean it's not 
It's not his fault. He's so much better than everyone. Maybe like, he's just call, got. Maybe he's got to work harder. You know, work hard, grind, grind out, create. You know, make force them to take penalties on you. I'm, I'm joking, of course. I'm on this. team I mean, uh, McDavid for this one. Protect the star players. Call call the penalties. If it's a penalty, just call it. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, were you are you referring to any? Like, people no. always talk about this, but then they don't cite any. Like, you Everything. know, like I would be I would be here for the conversation a lot more if you're giving us a video of fifteen There's, you know things that should be called that aren't being bit, called. But you can go one game and make a video. I I'll do it if you want. I'll go find last game and I, listen. Uh, I would I would uh, I would buy that a lot more. I mean, I don't know. I still think that the refs are well, always looking at Connor McDavid and what he's able to do, and that you know if you get a penalty on him, they'll call it. But. Well, where's where's the Oilers' uh, social media team putting out videos of this? What are they? Uh, Carol, you know Carolina's social They're too media occupied. team would be They're all too over occupied. It. Neil Pionk also living rent free in the mm. social media team's head, not just Connor McDavid and the rest of the Edmonton yeah. Oilers. Yes, exactly. Hey, before we wrap up, I wanted to bring this up with you, Huss. I was watching the Kings, the Kings game last night. Oh. The helmets. And yes, here it is. They were wearing these beautiful, I think, silver chrome helmets that were so shiny. They looked like that. Who's that guy from the cartoon? Uh, Kazoo? Gazoo? He's got that big helmet. They looked like astronauts on the ice. I was a big fan of the Vegas gold helmets. I thought they were cool. I had a hard time with these I think I like them. We're talking about them, so they must be good, right? I imagine everyone hates them. Let's just see. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. Possibly Cyclones. Helmets are awful. Weird helmet. Helmets ugly. Here. Those helmets, yikes. Um, I, I, you know what? I'm in the minority. I love these gaudy, gaudy helmets. I thought that the gold helmets of Vegas were awesome last year, and... Uh, you know what? I don't know. I think those, uh, they're flashy, a little cool. It, at least the Kings have been winning games because, mm -hmm. I mean, if you were, say, like if the Coyotes dropped something like this right now, um, you know, by the way, Coyotes beat the Blues on uh, Tuesday. We, we should yeah. do a special, uh, something special when the Coyotes win games because of how frequently, infrequently it's happening this year. Win number two on the season, now 2-13-1 and one after that big win. But yeah. yes, um, I, I'm I'm here for them. Although maybe in limited doses. Well, they were rocking the '90s Kings logo. I love that jersey, the Gretzky era. I'm a big fan, and I know you want to see this. Has Bar Down did a mock-up? What if other teams wore chrome helmets? And here, <laughs> here's Andrew Cop with a red chrome dome. Ooh, I would like to see the. I remember the Jets um, 1.0 in the 90s wore red helmets at one yep. point. I would like to see them bring back. I remember thinking it was ridiculous at the time. I think I'm here for red helmets <laughs> once. I think once in a while, I'll throw out the the red helmet. So I I think this I actually like this one better than the silver one. Do it. Oh, do it one game. I think one game. <laughs> be neat. Uh, hey, it looks listen, like I just. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at the chat. Someone says it looks like a Christmas ornament. <laughs> yes, that's actually a great. <laughs> that's a great analogy. Yeah. Um, hey, we do have to. I just want to thank everyone, especially all the regulars that joined us a little earlier today. Um, you know, just uh, due to a couple things, we had to do the show earlier today. Um, so we do appreciate everyone. If you've come afterwards and are seeing the replay, thanks so much. Everyone with us now, if you wouldn't mind hitting that thumbs up button, 
That's appreciated. And you can always do that if you're watching the replay afterwards. And a special welcome to those that normally maybe are tied up later in the afternoon that were able to join us on their lunch hour. Do us a favor, hit that red subscribe button and uh, join us when you can live on Winnipeg Sports Talk, normally live at 1 p.m. every weekday. And of course, you can pick it up on your podcast feed wherever you're getting it. And today's a good day if you're already a YouTube subscriber just to turn the notifications on. You'll get a reminder when we go live, especially when we do go at an alternate time, which happens occasionally, but we did it today. Yeah, good news is you got a couple extra hours to consume all the content before we drop the puck tonight at 8 o'clock between the Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. And we go from Edmonton to Vancouver tomorrow, another game day. Remus just mentioned it. Matt Sakaris, our good friend, another TSN orphan doing great things on the internet with Sakaris and Price. He will join us. We'll have a weekly visit with Weeb's World himself, Ken Weeb. And uh, I think we'll also have time for a little Lee Hacksaw Hamilton tomorrow. So really looking forward to tomorrow's program. Again, thanks to everyone who joined us at this unusually early time today. It was great to have you with us. The chat was still bumping. Wasn't sure how many of you'd be able to make it. Great to see you all here. Um, and a huge thanks to all of our sponsors. Vita Health, Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Cool Bet Canada, and of course, Canadian Club, and tomorrow's Friday, and that means a CC giveaway and another hoodie with the world-famous WST Marble Race at the end of tomorrow's show. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Have a great night. Enjoy the games. And we'll talk all about it tomorrow. Break it down and get you ready for the Jets and Vancouver Canucks tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great night, everybody. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.